What's up and welcome back to Bar Down Talking Hockey presented by the Bar Room Network. My name is Vinny Parisi and I finally got the intro right. And this right here, this is Joey Parisi and he makes a mean cheesecake. And this right here, this is Frankie Mueller and he's already got a gold camo in the new Call of Duty. Boys, how we doing? Good. Very good. I don't know if I uh, I don't know if I played the right open there. Um well, I, I mean, it looked good, but I, it wasn't the one with our names and all that. But I mean, kind of worked, right? Yeah, I mean, I saw our names. I, I thought I saw our names. Like, I wasn't really on the ice, mentioned. though. Yeah. Was that the one? Yeah. Oh, that put that was that one. I don't. I, know. I, I thought it was. I, don't know. I but I'm more like when that intro's opening every time we do our shows. That goes for both shows. I'm always thinking about like getting ready to talk, getting ready to talk. I don't even slightly pay attention to the intro. So, Frank, how you doing, man? Good. I'm glad you're, you didn't mess up the intro. You're you the only one. On you're the only one that hasn't messed up like an intro or any, or at least thought you messed up yet. Yeah, that's just yeah. Yeah, but then he doesn't know what to say to shit like that. He just yeah. sits there with a dumb look on his. Yeah, which I I think is honestly funnier. There's nothing actually... to say. I don't mess up. I don't mess up. Uh, hey, that's fair. You, you know, who also... I'm fucking perfect. That's why. You know, who else didn't mess up. The people who made the Spider-Man Far From Home trailer. Boys, oh, my God. Did we watch it? I forgot. I had it queued up. You didn't watch it? No, I, I did not. We can't even have this conversation. You ruined my intro. That's you messing up. <laughs> you messed that, up. That's it. You, you did it. You messed up. I had it queued up, and I didn't watch it yet. I cannot believe you did it. It was like it. I had it paused at the video, and I was going to go back to it because I was in the middle of doing something. I didn't get to go back to it and watch it. You, you literally are. had the video up, and it was just you. It was up on my phone, paused, and I'm like, "All right, I got to do this really quick, and I'll get back to it." Oh my god, dude! Last night, you, you have to out. buy our movie ticket because now we can't talk about it. Last night, I went out to a bar to celebrate something, and I even I made it back and watched it. It was like the first thing I did when I got home. It was as if I had homework due. And like I needed to get it done. Like nothing was stopping me from watching that intro or uh, trailer before my eyeballs closed for the evening. I knew it was coming out at seven thirty. I was waiting. Yeah, I was like refreshing, waiting. I was and refreshing I too. So you wait. You were doing all that just like me, and you didn't watch it. How did I that... choke? I choked. I choked. You know what? I honestly think it's time we have access to things at the barroom network that I'm happy. You know, we got some tech savvy people, much smarter people than I. And because of that, we were quickly able to make it where Frankie gets to watch the intro for the first time. Live right reaction, now. live reaction, Frankie Mueller, Spider-Man, no way home trailer here on bar down talking hockey. All right. Ever since I got bit by that spider, I've only had one week where my life has felt normal. That was when you found out. When you botched that spell where you wanted everyone to forget the Peter Parker Spider-Man. We started getting some visitors. from every universe. 
Hello, Peter. You're not Peter Parker. I'm sorry, what was your name again? Dr. Otto Octavius. <laughs> Wait, no, seriously, what's your actual name? There are others out there. We need to send them back. So, Scooby-Doo this crap. You know, all this is kind of your mess. I know a couple of magic words myself, starting with the word please. Please, Scooby-Doo this crap. You're flying out into the darkness to fight ghosts. What do you mean? They all die fighting Spider-Man. It's their fate. I'm sorry, kid. Yeah, me too. Don't. Look, there has to be another way. There isn't. They're a danger to our universe. You're not gonna take this away from me. Peter. You're struggling. while the world tries to make you choose. This is all my fault. I can't save everyone. They're starting to come through, and I can't stop them. December 17th, exclusively at movie theaters. Tickets on sale November 29th, Spider Monday. That was great. And there you have it Dr. Otto Octavius, the Green Goblin, and Spider Man himself. Frank, what'd you think? I thought it was fantastic. Uh, I saw Sandman. That was Sandman, right? Mm -hmm. From Spider Man 3. Like yeah, yeah Sandman like at it. the end. You had uh, Electro. 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 Uh, no, no, Toby um, Maguire or Andrew Garfield though. I thought it was going to happen. I, did, I, I didn't think you were going to see him. No, I didn't think yeah. we would they'll, see him. they'll be in the movie. I am so certain of it. There's no the way movie. they're not after watching. We didn't that. see Venom, but he'll be in it. I, I think. Uh, yeah, I yeah. Think, uh, Tom Hardy is it? Who yeah. plays yep. Venom? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think he'll be in it. Um, honestly, I'm just going to go ahead and make this claim now. I think this is going to jump to my number one favorite marvel movie and right now it sits at civil war the debut of tom holland spider-man uh that captain america civil war was my favorite marvel movie but come december 17th there's going to be a new number one just because this is going to tie in so much from our childhood favorite movies that we loved and i personally loved the two andrew garfield amazing spider-mans i loved those i thought lizard was awesome in the first one uh you know jamie fox was it was okay the second one was okay but i don't hate it as much as a lot of people so i'm very excited for this movie i'm gonna rewatch them all too before i watch Fart no way home yeah yeah uh, you definitely should. you have to and i'm excited about it too it's probably the second most excited i've ever been for a marvel movie so the other one was Endgame, obviously. No that's spoiler. day one, obviously, right? We're going day one. Uh, that's day like negative three. Yeah, if it's available. This I heard, is the biggest I heard it's being released in the UK two days early, and that creeps the heck out of me because I don't get off Twitter, and I'm very nervous about spoilers and stuff like that. So you I might still haven't seen Shang Chi. Oh, you got to see Shang Chi. But I'm. Really? It's on Disney Plus now. I was. Yep. We were gonna watch it yesterday, but. 
Yeah, you got to do that. Did you guys so, see? I mean, for Death? the love of salmon sandwiches, Frank, I can't believe you didn't watch it. Oh, for the love of salmon sandwiches. I have an idea. <laughs> I think it's. A, why are you laughing? I've I've been waiting for this. You don't like my nine, ideas for nine minutes. I've been. It waiting better for be a freaking good idea. I'll tell you that. Because you always play that graphic, right? We have nothing to go with it besides our dumb banter and our. But what if we actually tried a salmon salmon sandwich? I've been live, saying for weeks now. I, I, and like live on air. Like, why not? Right? Give the yeah. fans what they want. They always see the graphic, but no food. All right. So what do we do about that? Oh, let's get a salmon sandwich. We, we all need a salmon sandwich. We all got, oh, you guys got it ready? Oh, I got it ready. I mean, oh, wait, hold on. Got it ready. That's, what, that's what prepared people who know how to do podcasts and hold shows. So t- while I'm unwrapping this and making probably a loud mess in the mic, I'm going to mute it. Uh, go ahead and tell us, Frank, what, what is this? Where did this come from and, and where do we get it? So big thanks to Paula Mangarelli. That's my uh, girlfriend's mom. She loved the whole, for the love of salmon sandwiches idea. And she thought it'd be hilarious if she made us each a salmon sandwich to try on the podcast. So big thank you to Paula. Um, I'm very appreciative. And thank you again for the sandwich. This looks scrumptious. Yeah, I love salmon. I just want to say, Paul is a complete sweetheart for doing that. We love her, and thank you for the love of salmon sandwiches. Here I don't know go. how to make it not so bright, but yeah. So what do we, we got, got on it? Are we gonna are we, dink? We're gonna dink and sink. Is that what we did? Sink it. Oh shoot! Dink yeah, it. Frankie's like, how does how does geometry work? I put a little teriyaki in there. You? Uh, you edit it? What? You put teriyaki? I love teriyaki salmon. All right. It's like a common thing that you like order at restaurant. All right, let's give it a try. Right elevating. Whoa! <laughs> you took too damn Joe? long. Joe? This is a good Whoa. salmon sandwich. Joe's first, first bite. First All right, bite. first bite. We're really going to talk hockey at some point. There's really good. I love sandwiches. Salmon. If you haven't had a salmon sandwich, you need to get out there and try it. Go find yourself a salmon sandwich because this is delightful. Joe, what's your take on the salmon sandwich? I'm a huge fan. Um, one of my favorite things of all time, cream cheese. And we got a little cream cheese on this with cream cheese action. The salmon, I don't know how they cook the salmon, but it's actually cooked quite nicely. I'm a big fan. Some seasoning on there. This is a phenomenal salmon sandwich a, a phenomenal way to kick off the debut of a salmon sandwich on this show i mean what better way to introduce that graphic even even further than munching on a sandwich oh yeah the only bad part is i want to eat the whole thing but i know right what are we just going to sit here and talk and, and chew in each other's ear the whole time going in for another bite i know you're not ready for period number one mm-hmm. <laughs> oh well, we'll eat these delicious salmon sandwiches over period number one. And oh, welcome to great. period one. For those of you who managed to stay with us while we talk about Spider-Man and salmon. My bad. Joey felt the need to play it twice to the complete clown that he is. <laughs> I clicked it on accident. There's Joey messing up. Do you guys think they eat salmon sandwiches in Canada? Oh, yeah. I think they eat salmon sandwiches everywhere. 
um, Santiago wants to know how many Spider-Man movies there are. I would have to do some math. So there's the three, Seven. there's the three Raimi ones. Seven two. soon to be. Yeah, but you gotta can take into consideration Venom and Far and uh, the animated. Well, Venom's movie. not a Spider-Man. Movie. It's absolutely a Spider-Man movie. <laughs> if you Venom. want to include the two Venoms, you got nine. Google any ranking of the all-time Spider-Man movies. Venom. Okay. It's in the Spider-Man universe. Venom but it's is a considered. Spider-Man movie. Anyone who ranks Spider-Man movies includes Venom. And technically, the first oh, one was not in the Spider-Man universe. Technically, yeah. I wouldn't call, consider no. it a Spider-Man movie. It is a Spider-Man. Venom is a Spider-Man okay, well, villain. If you want to include that, then nine. I'm not going to include the animated one. Because if, if he's talking Spider-Man movies, you're gonna, he's talking about the ones that are going to relate in live-action TV in the movie. See, yeah. I think there's going to be a reference to it in the movie. Because yesterday, about a half hour before the trailer dropped, the Spider-Man animated one they like put a gif of like him putting on the mask so i honestly think there will be relations in some way shape or form and i believe that is paula in the chat saying love you guys we love you too for the love of sammy sandwiches the bread Um, is fire bread is big fire delicious 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 i don't have it's a it's a ciabatta it's a mini ciabatta Ooh, elite bread canada Guys, I honestly, I was taking a look at the standings yesterday, and I noticed that every team in Canada has something. They either absolutely suck, or they're legit Stanley Cup contenders as of right now. There's really not a bubble Canadian team. So I kind of wanted to go through each and one, each Canada team with you, talk about what we like, what we don't like, and then go on some storylines from that that I have written down here. And first, I'm going to start with the team in Canada that has the most points. Much to Joey's dismay, the Toronto Maple Leafs are 11-5-1 with 23 points. They're second in the Atlantic Division. They have some games in hand, so obviously that you know that takes into consideration. But being 11-5-1, very impressive after where they started. So, Frank, you're the only one not still dummying your salmon sandwich. I'll, so I'll finish start it, with but you. I- yeah, exactly. What do you like and what do you not like about the Toronto Maple Leafs so far? From hockey oh, okay. points of view, pretend yeah, yeah. this is all unbiased on these seven teams. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they've actually surprised me lately. They've gone on to win nine of their last ten games, which is uh, very surprising. Um, but then again, aren't we used to seeing this every year? Them being a good regular season team and then falling off in the playoffs. So, like, it doesn't really surprise me that they have the most points for any Canadian team. Um, if you break down their team a little bit more, you see that Tavares leads their team in goals with eight. Um, Marner leads their team in assists with 11. And Nylander leads their team's team in points with 16. So you, you mesh all that together. And then you still, they're not talking about Austin Matthews, who brings a huge aspect to the team and a reason why they win. I'm pretty, he had the game-winning goal last night. Um so, I mean, we're just we're, – this is stuff that we've seen from the Leafs before. So, until they're able to prove me wrong – I mean, they're a good team, right? You said unbiased. They're, they're a great team right now. But until they're able to prove me wrong, I mean, there's nothing special about them to me because this happens every year. So, I'm not surprised. What they're doing is not surprising. So, they have to prove me wrong, and then I'll change my tune about them. Joe? Yeah, they're uh, Frankie nailed it. He named the four guys in Marner, Nylander, Matthews. Well, and he Tavares. forgot one really big one. 
Tavares, uh, those four guys, though, those guys are cooking right now. Um, they're getting literally goals and points from all of them, uh, especially Tavares. Like, this dude looks unreal. He's, you know, he, you could tell he probably wants to make Team Canada this year because I don't think his spot was a sure shot for sure going into this year. But, you know, looking right now, it's looking pretty good. Um, and, yeah, they just played the Bruins a couple weeks ago, and I hadn't, I can't say anything other than, like, those when those top guys score – they're a dangerous team but it's a matter of you know we like frankie said we've seen it time and time again they're gonna have an amazing regular season they can be even president's trophy contenders if they continue to play like this but come playoff time is this is this team good enough in the playoffs i don't that's where i don't think so because i don't think they can rely on just these four guys yeah they're getting goals from kasha and camp and right now but like you know kasha's days are numbered before he gets hurt again i'll just go ahead and say this dude uh and is you know, camp going to keep up his scoring. So I don't know. It, it, there's a big lot of question marks. Yes, they're good right now. They're hot right now. But I agree with Frankie. Kind of just let's see how it goes. I legitimately think the Toronto Maple Leafs over the last five years have been the unluckiest team in the National Hockey League. Okay, let me explain why. Those four forwards are incredible. Tavares, Nylander, Marner. And Matthews is like fourth on the team in scoring. He will be first. The fact that he's going to get better is scary for the rest of the Eastern Conference. You bring up the playoffs. Every year they lose to the team that goes on to the Stanley Cup final. Lose to Washington. They win the Cup. They lose to uh, Boston. They go to the Cup. They lose to Boston. They, The Bruins go on and lose to the Lightning, who win the Cup. Like The Leafs have never lost a playoff series because they are a bad team. They get beat by teams that have been better in those years. There could come a year they here. They should have beat Montreal last year. That I will give you. But what did Montreal do? Montreal beat freaking Vegas. They beat Vegas. Montreal was on a Cinderella-level run last year. I'm not saying that they're going to win the Cup this year. I'm not even saying they're going to win a round. But I am saying that they are good enough to. And if they don't, you're going to clown me and say, oh, you know, but whatever. That's fine. They are a loaded roster. You didn't even bring up Morgan Riley, who has been phenomenal. He scored yeah. the game-winning goal with 11 seconds left on Saturday night in regulation to take the two points and not let the opponent even get a single point. That was an outstanding effort by that team. I think the Leafs are the best team in Canada right now. We'll go over that in a little bit. There are two contenders for me. But second in the Atlantic, one of Florida, Tampa Bay, Boston. Those four are like the cream of the crop in that division. One of them will come in first and one of them will come in fourth. But what bugs me is when people say, well, if Marner, Matthews, Nylander, Tavares go cold, they're going to lose. What team in the NHL can see their four leading scorers get cold and win? What would happen to the Washington Capitals if Backstrom, Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, and Oshie all sucked? What would happen to the prime Chicago Blackhawks if Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, Marion Hossa, and Patrick Sharp all went cold? They would have never won cups. They would have never won cups. Crosby, Malkin, Gensel, Latang. If all those guys sucked, they wouldn't have won shit. So the Leafs, yes, they have those top four players, and they need the depth. They need Kasha. They need Wayne Simmons. They need all these guys. I just can't bring myself to, like, rip on them for relying so heavy on their best players because every team relies so heavy on their best players. What would happen to the Bruins in yeah, 2019 but that's the thing. if Bergeron, Marchand, Pasternak, and uh, who Krejci 
were their four best forwards that season. If those four guys fell off a cliff in the postseason, they would have got smoked. But that's the thing. A lot of people call the Bruins a one-line team, but you, you're literally arguing the same thing for the Leafs. I don't think the Bruins are a one-line team, though. Of the, but that's what a lot of people say. So it's not just people saying that about the Leafs. People but say people, that about but people who say that about the Bruins just – they, they make no sense and they don't know what they're watching because the Bruins in the last couple of years have at least one A round. They made it to the Stanley Cup final literally two years ago. The bubble, things were a little weird for the Bruins in the bubble. Rask left and all that stuff. Like, I don't even count the bubble for the Bruins. No team got screwed by COVID-19 in terms of hockey. There are teams that had health. I'm not talking health. I respect all the people with health. I'm not talking about that. I'm specifically talking hockey. No team got screwed by COVID-19 more than the Boston Bruins. I do stand by that. I do think they would have won the cup had the 2020 season finished. They were the best team going into the playoffs. But other than like the calling the Bruins a one-line team is crazy. But in seeing the Bruins' success and thinking the Leafs can't do that with basically the same type of roster is hypocritical to me. The Bruins or the Leafs. They, they didn't get goaltending from Freddie Anderson last year at all, and now he's looking like comeback player of the year. I just think if you think the Bruins are a good team, you got to think the Leafs are a good team too because both teams do rely on their best forwards, and that's okay. There's they nothing do, wrong with that. But the Leafs, it's it's the Leafs defensively what I don't like. And, and you brought up that the Leafs lost to teams that were better than them in the first round, right? But when it comes to the playoffs, you have to beat teams that are better than you to win the cup. So we can't use that as an excuse. Like, you're going to have to beat those teams. You can't just feed off the bottom feeders in the playoffs. Yeah, I completely agree with you. You're right. They do need to get over the hump. And until they get over the hump, they're still the leaps. I I agree with everything you said. I'm talking specifically about this year, saying if those guys are all playing well going into the playoffs, their roster is good enough to win a round or two, maybe even more. You know, once you get to the final four, it's a crapshoot from there. Those teams are always be littled by injury and you know lots of games once you get to the final four it's a crap shoot you know the best team hardly ever wins tampa was the best team two years ago and they won the cup uh who was the last best team before tampa to win maybe the hawks in 2013 the pittsburgh penguins one of the years was really good but one of the other years they like squeaked into the playoffs so i don't know i like the leafs i hope they go far I also hope they don't dominate the regular season in such a way where people expect them to do well in the playoffs. I'd like to see them, you know, second, third in the Atlantic, make a run in the playoffs. Unless they play the Bruins, I'll root for them. In the Or the Pan- I, I got to root for my Panthers this year. But I don't know. Do you think the Panthers, not to get off too far a topic from Canada, but do you think the Panthers are going to kind of regress a little bit without Barkov for a couple weeks at least? Well, apparently he was walking with no limp last night after the game, and it's not as bad as people were saying. So if they lose Barkov, yes. He's out. He's definitely out like week to week. That that goes that goes for any team in the NHL. You take their best player off the roster, they're gonna they're gonna take a dip. I'm sorry. You you yeah, name a team. There's only one team that I could see missing their best player and still kind of hovering around. The and that no. They're missing their best player, and they're going to be hovering around. Yeah, okay, that that's not who I was thinking of. Tampa Bay's an okay one. They're they're missing Kucherov, and they're going to hover around. I was thinking uh, the Oilers, Drysaddle and McDavid are both so good that I see them hovering around if they lost one or the other. I don't. I kind of disagree with that. Really? Yeah. I mean, 
The Bruins did an excellent job. I know I always bring it back to the Bruins, but let's be honest. So that when I want to watch a team for a full 60 minutes and actually dissect the way they play the game, have them play the Bruins, and I'll do that. And when I did, when they played the uh, Oilers, uh, they did a great job of, of, you know, pacing McDavid. It was Leon. <laughs> it was honestly Leon the guy you had to watch out for. And if, if you put all the focus on Leon, guess what? You're going to lose track of McDavid. So I'd kind of disagree with that. You need both of those guys in the lineup. That's fair. They've just been both so good on two separate lines, mm-hmm. but that's where I kind of was going with that. But we'll get to the Oilers in a minute. The Ottawa Senators, 4-10-1, nine points, last in the Eastern Conference. They're they're pesky in every single game they play. They lose every game by one. And it just they're they're trying to get these prospects going. And Brady Kachuk is awesome. Um I don't know. I like the Senators long term, but this ain't it this year. No, this year you could tell they're they're kind of playing for the future and this team is built for the future. It's very young. Uh it's got a good energy when you watch them play, you know, all led by new captain Brady Kachuk. That that kid he's getting it done. He's electric. Um but yeah, I agree with that. Their goaltending's not there. Their defense isn't fully built yet. Um it's going to take a couple years, but it's it's honestly looking bright cuz they do have their bright moments, that's for sure. They're a hard team to play against. Even though they're not great, they're probably the best bad team in my opinion. Frank? Yeah, um They've lost seven of their last eight games. And I know that they've only played 15 games this season, but I think it's time to shut the books on them. I don't think much is going to happen. Not this year, maybe next year, a couple years from now. Um, and right now they're three – all their games through November 20th have been postponed due to COVID. I know they have a lot of COVID issues, so maybe that's a blessing in disguise. Maybe they need a, a little break. I mean, I could either hurt them or help them. Yeah, I could, I could argue either way. You know, maybe the break helps them. Like, all right, we need to just focus up, focus on our next few games after this, and maybe bounce back. Or maybe the time off will hurt them. Not being on the ice. I mean, they're already playing bad, so maybe the time off is not what they need. Um, I could see it going either way, but this year is not their year. So they have a bright future. So we'll see what they do in the next few years. Yeah, and I think it, it leans more toward the side of it hurting them because not only is it going to be time off for an already struggling club, a young club, it's time off away from everybody because it's, it's COVID yeah. protocol. And it just means for a more condensed schedule later on, which is very tough for some of these young guys who don't have that experience with those back-to-backs and stuff. So, Joe, you do agree with me, though, that they are like hard to play against. They're not like your typical bad team. The prospects are really starting to come up and show their stuff, and they're probably going to be pretty good in short order. Yeah, they will be. And, yeah, they're definitely tough to play against because, like, even when they're playing good teams, like, you you can't just go into Ottawa or, or welcome them into your building and expect an easy win. Like, you're going to have to earn that win. And, yeah, you will get it if you play to your potential, but they're not going to just give it to you. It's going to be a close game. You mentioned a lot of their one-goal games. And, yeah, that's because they don't just let things get away from them, but – they do make their mistakes. One of the teams in competition for the best team in Canada is the Winnipeg Jets. They are 9-3-3 three, and three with 21 points, and they currently hold, even though they have some games in hand, they currently hold first place in the very, very good Central Division of the Western Conference. Joe, what do you like? What maybe don't you like? I like that uh, it's kind of been a breakout year to as to start the season for Pierre-Luc Dubois, leading the way for that team. He kind of took over. Uh, Mark Shifley obviously missed the first game because of his suspension, but then he dealt with an injury. He dealt with COVID himself. 
but it's been for me Pierre Luc Dubois leading the way, uh, and Kyle Connor. Obviously, like you see his name of like uh, climbing the top of the points, and uh, Nikolai Ehlers has looked good. Neil Pionk on defense, uh, he's always getting points, and Nate Schmidt got his first goal. He's been getting a lot of assists, but he got his first goal the other day. So, I mean, they're getting production from their D, and uh, obviously Connor Hellebuck, we know how great he is. So, honestly, this doesn't surprise me too much. I knew they were going to be good going into it. Frank, thoughts on the Ginnipeg Wets? Um, yeah, well, they just finished a seven-game homestand, and that seven-game homestand, they got 11 of 14 points. And in my eyes, that's what the best teams have to do if you're looking to win a Stanley Cup. Capitalize on your long homestands. Playing at home is key and crucial. And if you can walk away with 11 out of 14 points every seven home games, that's going to be massive, massive help later on in the season. And Joey touched about uh, Kyle Connor. He's having a great year so far in 15 games, 12 goals, eight assists, 20 points. Um, I think it's another 30-goal-plus year. If it wasn't for the shortened season last year, he would have gotten 30 for sure. He was on pace. He definitely would have got a gotten 30 goals last year and then he would be going for his fifth straight 30 goal season this year so i don't think uh the winnipeg jets have much to worry about i agree with both of you i think the winnipeg jets are awesome i think they're one of the best teams in the league they wore those sick jerseys last night um i'm all in on winnipeg i think they're them in the wild and i I do think colorado will figure it out but them the colorado avalanche and the minnesota wild are the three best teams in the central division for me and I could see the Jets making a serious run in the playoffs. Now, all these teams, they're great. One of them is going to be out in the first round. Another one's going to be out in the second round. I will not see that as a failure for any of these teams because the Winnipeg Jets are that good. If they lose a series, it's going to be a tough series. They're going to play hard. Or they could go on and win the Cup. They are one of the four legit Stanley Cup contenders that come out of the great nation of Canada. And... I really like what they've been doing so far this season. And I honestly hope it continues because the Winnipeg Jets in the postseason, the whiteout, you, you see a team like the Blues or something go and play in there. And it is always fun. It's always fun. I literally cannot wait for that. And like you said, Kyle Connor, we're going to get to Canada's leading scorers in a couple minutes here, but Kyle Connor's amongst them. And in years past, it's been Mark Shifley, Blake Wheeler. You've even seen guys like Little. And, you know, stuff like that be involved with the leading scorers on these teams. The young guns are somewhat taken over. I still think Shifley will finish amongst the league leaders in points with Kyle Connor. But it's great so far. And And they had a big – go ahead. No, you go. They had a big win against Edmonton in their last game of the homestead. Five to two, decisive victory, telling Edmonton we're not here to be bullied around. They're here to play. We'll see how it goes tomorrow in Edmonton. Rematch. Mm. Let's talk about yes. the Oilers. Literally cannot wait. We're going to talk about the Edmonton Oilers right now, who, in my opinion, I'm going to go first here. In my opinion, the Edmonton Oilers are the most fun team to watch in the National Hockey League. Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins are three of the top seven scorers in the NHL right now. They are incredible. I love watching this team so much when they are on their appointment television for me. They play the Hawks on Saturday at 9 o'clock. I'll probably be watching it at like a bar or something because it's just going to be so much fun. I literally cannot wait to see the Oilers every single time I see that they're playing. I'm like, I'm all in. Because Connor McDavid, when you watch, this guy could have five points every single game. And same thing with Dry Settle. They create their points a little bit differently. 
McDavid's always off the rush or using his speed, skating, passing. Dreisaitl just always finds himself in the right place at the right time, better than any player in the NHL right now. Like, he's in front of the net to tip in goals from whoever's passing it to him. And you think to yourself, like, why doesn't every other power forward just do that? And it's like, well, because getting to those areas is not easy in the NHL. So I'm very excited about this team. They are 11-4-0 with 22 points, currently sit second in the Pacific Division. And they're one of those four teams from Canada that I mentioned as a legit Stanley Cup contender. If I were them, I would try to trade for Flurry. I do believe he will be on the trade block if the Blackhawks are well out of it by the end of the season. Joey brought up on a previous show that he's never missed the playoffs. I don't think that's going to continue. I do think that streak will continue this season because either the Hawks will climb out of it and Flurry will make it or they'll trade him. And the Edmonton Oilers, I would give up a first-round pick for Flurry because Koskinen's probably the worst goalie on a 9-0 and team or whatever. The worst 9-0 and goalie in the history of the NHL. And I was so going to talk about they make a tra- if they make a trade for a goalie, I could legit see them winning the Stanley Cup. Flurry's an option. I'm sure one of the Kraken goalies is an option. They have three one three goalies that would probably be an upgrade. So, Joe, you could start with the Oilers since you had some goaltending nuggets. Yeah, um, Mike Smith went into the season as their clear number one. He played two games, won them both, uh, and then he got hurt. You know, his injury didn't seem like it was going to be that bad. Uh, and then he just before he was about to come back, he had a setback. It was on a road trip, but he made the road trip and he was practicing ready to, you know, make his comeback, come off IR. And he had a setback during practice. They had to fly him back to Edmonton to get reevaluated. And now there's really no word on his, his return so far. Um, with that being said, Koskinen still hasn't lost a game. I believe he's nine and oh. So as long as you're getting wins from his, their goal thing, I, you really can't complain about it. Their, their backup Stewart or whatever his name is. He's 0-2. They can't get a win. Yeah, he's not playing that bit. But the Oilers play a very, like, run-and-gun type of game. They will trade chance for chance up and down the ice all night long. And so, you know, having a low goals against for their team isn't something that they really play by. And will it work in the playoffs? Who knows? Um, and then one last thing besides that goaltending. And I do expect Mike Smith to come back. So I don't expect them to be too aggressive because I actually think Mike Smith and Koskinen could be a great tandem for the type of style that they play. Um, and then just real quick, to, to start the season right now, in the 15 games that they've played, Connor McDavid has recorded at least a point in every game. I think it's certain time we think about like that streak to open up a season. Didn't Patrick Kane take over in the 2013 season? Was it to start I a season? Or earlier than that. Or they the, did the 21 0 3 to start a season as the Hawks in 2013. Wasn't Kane's point streak to start a season? Kane's long point streak that he had in 2013? Uh, I would have to go back and look. I thought it, it, I thought it was Hawks just. Point. I thought it was just a point streak yeah, in general. It, that's what I thought, yeah. Because no, I, I remember know. when he got when he got the assist on the Panarin empty netter and Panarin points to him and goes, assist, assist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like halfway through the I, season. It was? Well, maybe it was the Hawks point. The Hawks did, went on 21-0-3 to start the season. 21-0-3. Yeah, we, we, were at, okay. we were at 21. You're, yeah, right, Joey. Colorado. We were, we were at 21 against Colorado. Yep. Anyway, to start the season, McDavid has not gone a game without a point, and I don't see that ending anytime soon. It's something to keep an eye on. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I mean, the dude – Frank, you could go in a minute here. I have one more thing to say. People talk about the greatest players of all time. McDavid's already in the top five. For me, it's Gretzky, it's Lemieux, it's Orr, it's Crosby, and it's McDavid. McDavid, it's just the most sensational thing I've ever seen. 
I hope he comes in second all time in points. He's never going to catch Gretzky because it's impossible. It doesn't mean he's not better than Gretzky because I think he is, but I don't know, man. It's it's unbelievable to watch every single game. It's a treat to be alive at the same time as McDavid. Frank, yeah, that was Kane's just point streak. Uh, Gretzky has started a season with fifty-one games. <laughs> wow. <laughs> or is it a goalie um, one point when goalies when goalies were wearing newspapers for pads? Yeah, crazy. So when I look at teams, I like to dissect the record and see why are they this record? Why are the Oilers 11-4? and four? Well, part of the reason is because you got the deadly duo of Dreisaitl and McDavid. Obviously, Dreisaitl leads the team with 33 points. He's got 17 goals and 16 assists. And he got a – it's crazy, I know. And you got McDavid, who only has 10 goals, which is a little surprising, and 19 assists. Which um actually Dreisaitl is the only player in the NHL right now who could say he's two point per game player. Unless Frank, you, got you, just said, you just said it's surprising that McDavid's only on pace for fifty. It is though. I mean, <laughs> I it, it's just surprising just based on their roles right now or whatever. But I get what you're uh, saying. I completely agree. I'm just Dreisaitl's Dreisaitl's a two point per game person. He's the only person in the NHL who's played that many games who could say that. Um, and another thing about their 11 and four record. And, and I touched on this with the jets is that it is huge advantage when you get to play at home. There's a whole reason why there's home uh, ice advantage to the playoffs and that everybody talks about it. Three of the four losses that the Edmonton Oilers have had have come on the road, meaning they've only lost one game at home. They are a deadly, deadly team at home. They got dry and McDavid and it's, it's just scary. Teams can match up whoever they want at home. Exactly. So when, when they're at home, McDavid and Dreisaitl will go against whoever the coach wants them to go against. When they're on the road, let's say they come to Chicago, Taves and Dahan are on McDavid the whole time. But he keeps them away from those top players when they're at home. So obviously advantage Oilers. I also noticed, Frank, you might have more numbers on this. They're the only team in Canada without a loser point. And part of me thinks that because if they get to overtime, McDavid or Dryside will just end it. They figure out a way to end it. And I don't um, know how many times they've gone to overtime. I but don't I'm know. Assuming at least a couple. Yeah, I think a couple of their – no, they haven't lost in overtime, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm saying I think that's because McDavid and Dryside and Open Ice are the best combo of all time. So then, yeah, you're right. That every time they've gone overtime, they won because they don't have an overtime loss. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure to everyone's surprise, mine included, they have not won in overtime yet. That okay. means they haven't been to overtime yet. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's interesting. Crazy. Okay, so their eleven wins are eleven true wins, right? Unless it wouldn't say that. Would it say? It would say on the NHL app. It would Wait, be in like one, and it was in overtime. Yeah, it'd be in parentheses, and it would say. Yeah. Like, yeah, I see it for L's from last year. I'm trying to find. So maybe they haven't gone to overtime this year. Which that's, that's possible. Kind of they that's could be the only team though. in the NHL that hasn't gone to overtime then. That's a good thing, though, because with tiebreakers, they look at that. Regulation yeah. overtime wins, or I'm pretty sure just regulation wins would triumph over anything. No, or it doesn't. it'll say like 5-4 OT. Yeah, it doesn't, say, it doesn't say that for a win. It only says that for a loss. 
Oh, well, they could. They might have still gone. I get, okay. Disregard what I said. They could have gone to overtime and won this year. Yeah. Well, the fact of the matter is, if they go to overtime, advantage them because of the speed of McDavid and just the absolute power of Leon Draisaitl. And you could tell we've talked about the Leafs and the Oilers the most out of every Canada team we've talked about so far. They're the two most exciting teams in Canada, I would say. But a team that's really close to them in terms of excitement is the Calgary Flames. I would give them the ribbon for the most surprising team in Canada so far this season. They are 8-3-5 and five with 21 points. They are third in the Pacific. Joseph, Calgary Flames. Frankie knows who I'm going to mention. We <laughs> talked a lot of shit about him, but he's – You guys honestly... are – oh, that's – you just got to wear that take. Like, Yeah. It's And it's not that we talked shit about him. No. It's I just that we didn't think he was going to be, you know, this good. Yeah. Uh, arguably, you know, one of the best goalies if season were to end right now, arguably a Vesna candidate, and that's Jacob Markstrom. And then Oh, I think if the season ended today, he would win it. Either him or Thatcher Demko, who we'll get to in a minute. Thatcher Demko? Not, no, we'll tell, we can argue about that later, but it's for me, it's Freddie Anderson. Thatcher Demko's been okay, but... Go ahead. Flames. Jacob Mark Jacob Markstrom uh, has been unreal for them, and they're even getting good games from Dan Vladar and, as backup. And you know, we talked about their scoring, and Mangiapane is still leading the way. Eat for, pasta. Uh, what? Mangiapane Mangi- translates to eat pasta in Italian. Yeah, and then uh, he's leading the way with ten goals. Still, we all kind of thought that would fall fall off, but uh, since we last talked about the Flames, Kachuk has stepped it up, and he's scoring a lot of goals now. Goudreau is still getting assists, so I mean. They're getting it, and even Lucic is kicking it. I want to throw a little nod to Milan Lucic. He's still getting it done. <laughs> he scored against the Devils. Yeah. A-hole. Frank, the Calgary Flames. Um, the Calgary Flames start out at, started out really hot. Um, would you, they're 8-3-5, and five, I believe, is what they're, you said. Yep, 8-3-5, 21 points. But in their last three, uh, eight games, they've only won two times. So just take that into consideration and look at the record and what they were before those six losses. Um, They started out hot. Markstrom's an absolute stud. But I think the thing that a lot of people don't talk about too much is they're so underrated, deadly duo of Vladar and Markstrom. Vladar is yet to lose a game in regulation in the four games he's played. He's 3-0-1 with a 196 goals against average and a 933 save percentage. If you're looking to be a Stanley Cup contender contender, or at least make the playoffs – you're get, you have to get production out of your backup. You just can't always rely on your number one goalie to be the reason and carry you through. It happens. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. But when you have that extra boost as the backup, then you could be more open to like, oh, we, it doesn't matter if we have to play him in a back-to-back. Or I, we feel safe with playing Vladar when Markstrom can't play. So I think that's really good to have. Um, I think they should make the playoffs. They just need to be better at home this year. They've only won two games at home all year this year. I can't stress enough how much I think home ice advantage matters. Got to play better at home. Goudreau's got to get going a little bit. He's been – to me, he's slumping with four goals. Um, I think he needs to have a breakout year. He really hasn't had a breakout year since the 2018-2019 season. He's slumped this past three years, including this year. And I think him and the Calgary Flames want him to pick it up a little bit. I agree with you. Real quick before we move on, Joe, you're right. I, Thatcher Demko in the last I was about – I really have so his stats. I literally have his stats right here. But 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 I do remember like last it was either last show or the week before that just goes to show how much of a dip it's been. There was that save he made. We literally featured it on this show, and he was like leading 
one of the you know one of the top goalies in the league to begin the season, and it's it's been just worse than I realized over the last seven or eight games. So my apologies there. You don't even need to go through the hassle of clowning me. I concede to you. Not been great since since the he did have a great start. We'll go back and watch that old show. I'm not going to back down from that. But in the last five or six games, things have not gone his way. So I can right see now, right now, the best goalie in the league, in my opinion, is Frederick Anderson. Yeah, yeah. Patrick Demko is near the bottom. <laughs> you're you're one of those guys though who will like love a guy when he moves on from a team you hate. Uh, well, I mean, if he's dog shit on the team I hate, yeah, I have every right to think he's dog shit because Freddie Anderson was never an elite goalie with the Leafs. I've I've argued that till I'm blue in the face. The first two years with the Leafs, he was really good. Mm, he was okay. He wasn't yeah. really good. He was better on the Ducks. Just go ahead and say that. Yeah, no, he was probably better on the Ducks. But we'll get to the Canucks in a minute. The Montreal Canadiens, after making it to the Stanley Cup final last year, are 4-12-2 with 10 points, 7th in the Atlantic. Guys, I think they are worst, the worst team in Canada. They have one more point than the Ottawa Senators, but they have played 18 games and Ottawa's played 15. So I truly think from the bottom of my heart, Ottawa's better. I think they have a brighter future. They're they're tougher to play against. Montreal is a cakewalk for pretty much any elite team that goes in there. I, I don't know, man. I, I They're bad. I They might be the worst team in the league. I think them, Seattle, and the Hawks are the three worst teams. And Arizona are the worst teams in the league. And I don't know. I I think it's, it's bad there right now. Joe, I know they're your favorite team team in the league but frank i'll start with you actually um well their season's over and there's no secret their season's over they're they're not getting out of this hole you look at the top teams in the atlantic there's no way they jump into a division spot or even grab a wild card there's just there's no chance um the one thing about them that's kind of interesting too is that every game of theirs that have been decided by one goal they've lost that's you got to get those one goal games. They're close yeah. games. You got to fight for it. You got to win at least a couple of those one goal games. Send it to overtime. Get some points. Whatever. Even though they did lose a couple in overtime, um, but they have zero chance to make the playoffs. Like I don't care what anybody says. They're not like some of the other teams that are slumping that I think have a chance. No, the Canadians are dead this year, and I'll send it to Joe on that. Really so quick far- to back to back up your comment. The only two teams that I think are dead, dead, like no chance at the playoffs, are Arizona and Montreal. If Seattle went on a run, like Everly got hot, Grubauer got hot, the Hawks with Flurry and Kane, I think it's unlikely for all those teams, like highly unlikely. But the only teams that I have dead, dead are the Montreal Canadiens and the Arizona Coyotes. So I back you on that 1,000%. Joe? I'll start off being funny. My favorite game I've watched so far this year was last Sunday. It was it never fails. It never just sit back last, and relax, everybody. When Joey goes last on, Sunday relates everything back to the Boston Bruins. The Boston Bruins put on an absolute show versus the Montreal Canadiens. If your name was Charlie, you had a great day. Um, we'll talk about that later in the third period. So stick around if you want to hear me rant about that. But on a serious note, the Montreal Canadiens stink. Um, and I have a reason. I have a big reason. You look at their success in the playoffs last year. You looked at guys like Cole Caulfield was awesome. They had Shea Weber. looked like he was in the prime of his career. Carey Price was standing on his head in some of these games. 
all those guys, Weber and Price being out, Cole Caulfield has one point in his 10 games he's played this season. Just And not to mention how great Corey Perry was for them in the playoffs. So, I mean, this team that went to the playoffs and went to the Stanley Cup last year was a very different team than what they're icing right now. Guys were playing differently. And the guys who were good last year in Caulfield and um, Perry and Weber and Price and even uh, Nick Suzuki, those guys just haven't been doing it this year. So uh, when you when you have a team that was so successful and then all of a sudden the guys that got you there are either gone or just not doing anything, yeah, you're going to suck. And they're, they're seeing it right now. So it sucks when you lose your captain and Shea Weber, one of the best, you know, defenseman still currently in the league i'll argue that i love watching shea weber play i, th- I think he's still got it and obviously carry price as well but i mean jake allen isn't going to cut it for you montembo who played who's been getting some games i don't think you know he's nothing to write home about so honestly we kind of should have expected this going into it which a lot of people did but a lot of people didn't think they'd be this bad but i don't know i agree with Vinny that they are dunzo for the season Joey, thank you for allowing me and Frankie to eat some of our salmon sandwich while you go on a rant about the Montreal Canadiens that we know you hate. Um, Perry's on the lightning now, so he just continues to go to whatever team beat him in the Stanley Cup final. He's trying to chase that cup, and he'll get it. I honestly he's, believe he'll get it. He's got one already, so it's not. he's not going to get one. I think um, he. I, I could see him getting one. A real hot take here. I could see him getting one with the Anaheim Ducks. That team is so good. It depends how long Corey Perry wants to play. If he goes and returns back home to Anaheim, the Ducks are so good. I love the Ducks. <laughs> they're not cup good. Um, <laughs> you never know. Frank, you gave your take on the Canadians already. Got anything left on them? They're dead. They're dead. About as dead as that salmon you're eating. You know. You know who's. You know who's close to being dead. They're not dead, dead, like Montreal or Arizona, but they're close to being dead, the Vancouver Canucks. They're 5-9-2 with 12 points. They're seventh in the Pacific Division. The only team worse than them is our friends in the Seattle Kraken. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, not great for the Vancouver Canucks. Me and Joey kind of argued about that going into the season. I think it's one of the few times I was right and he was wrong. Yeah, Um, I was just going to say, I was completely wrong about them, and I'll I'll admit that right now. OEL stinks. Um, what a fall off, man! He was so OEL good for so long. Absolutely trash. Uh, the only one of the only bright spots on that, you know, back end is Quinton Hughes. Obviously, uh, he's been awesome. But I mean, you kind of expect that from a kid like that. And they're not getting the goaltending, obviously, as you just saw from Demko. And even their backup Yaroslav Halak is just not not what he was in Boston. <laughs> <laughs> it never fails, Frank. It never fails. But no it's always what. a good point. I always bring up a good point. It's logical, the shit I say. He's not yeah, what he was. He yeah. doesn't have that blue line that Boston has in front of him in Vancouver. No, absolutely not. Frank the Canucks. Um, well, Miller and Hughes are leading the way. They're in quite the hole, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Canucks grab that dirt and start filling in the hole and make a little push. Um other than that, I mean, there's not anything really special about them. I just – I don't think it's over for them. I do think they're capable of making a run. Um, but it, it starts with grabbing the dirt. When you I... think about a team like Vancouver filling in the dirt, as you say, though, you have to think about, like, who would they pass? Who's fallen out? But the, the thing Pacific is, division? the Pacific Anaheim? Division, the Kings could fall out. I could see the Kings falling out. 
Yeah. I think they'll pass the Kraken. Are they better than the Kraken? Right. They're, they're already, already better than the Kraken. They're already ahead of the Kraken. Yeah. Um, I'm drawing some blanks right now. They're not going to pass the Vegas. Sharks. The Sharks. Nah, I don't think they'll pass the Sharks, but I wouldn't be shocked if they went on a run and passed the Sharks. I yeah. think they could compete with them. I don't think they're going to pass Vegas. Um, it sounds like we're on the same page. You think yeah, they're not dead, dead like Montreal or Arizona, but if they – they're probably not going to make the postseason, but no, no, they still have the shovel to get out of the hole or whatever they yes. got to do. So. The shovel has not been taken away from them yet. No, they can reach out and do what they got to do. It's it's not over yet. Their time is running out though. If they if they still sit at they have twelve points right now. If they're at 15, 16 points by the time December starts, then I would start to think about taking their shovel away from them. I I the shovel I've already sent it away. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think the only team that they can potentially pass up if you look at the standings right now is the san jose sharks um i think the i san kind jose of agree sharks, i, I think, think the I san agree. jose sharks are kind of playing better than everyone thought and um, anaheim yeah well anaheim's playing better than everyone thought but i'm not going to sit here for one second and think that i think the anaheim ducks are going to fall off dramatically yeah they they can get passed up by edmonton calgary even vegas but the anaheim ducks are going to be in the playoffs they have what it takes to make the playoffs and be competitive in this year's playoffs. I, I'm so high on the Anaheim Ducks. I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to bust out my Ducks hat one of these days. Uh, and me and you are both Ducks guys. I, like, I'm back like in the, the day, back in the day, nobody loved the Ducks in the Chicago land exactly. area more than Ryan gets and Corey Perry were our dudes. They were yeah. our dudes. I and have now, a Corey Perry t-shirt. Yeah. And now it's like Ryan gets is still there and he's still doing it. We just saw him score his 1000 point. Dude. Or I mean, whatever. The, the spoiler alert: he scored his one thousand point. Um, he, fuck you! You made me lose my train of thought. <laughs> oh, the ducks! You were higher. You, you yeah, um, all the things you, you like think about Getzlaff and Perry back in the day. We'll get ready for Terry and Zegris. That's the fucking duo. Yep. N- nothing like uh, talking about the Anaheim Ducks in Anaheim, California, while doing our. Canadian period that we've spent almost an hour talking about, but I, I'm with you. The Canucks, they're dead. They're not dead, dead, but they're dead. Anaheim's awesome. We'll get to Anaheim in a minute. Four of the top eight scorers in Canada are score of four of the top eight scores in the league are playing on a Canadian team. And two of them are Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid. Dreisaitl is actually ahead of McDavid right now by, I want to say three or four points. Who do you think out of those two leads the National Hockey League in scoring? Between Connor McDavid and Drysaddle? Yeah, Drysaddle's got like a four-point lead. I think. Well, here's I was going to touch on this um, later because I didn't know you were going to compare the two unless that was your plan now. But I think that McDavid will lead in points, but I think that Drysaddle will be the goal-scoring title winner. Okay. So you think McDavid's going to pass him up? He, he I think McDavid's going to pass him up in points. But I think since Drysaddle has a seven-goal lead, I don't think he's going to slow down. And even if McDavid picks it up, it's still seven goals is a lot to cover. So I think Drysaddle might win the scoring goal, the goal scoring title. But yes. McDavid will win the point scoring title. I agree. I think McDavid will win the Art Ross Trophy, and Leon yeah. Drysaddle will win the Rocket Richard Trophy. Yeah. I also think they will be point one and two in scoring. Do you, Frank? Um. Yeah, I do. It's, or do you think someone like McKinnon or Matthews or Kane? No, is one of them. And they're just so good right now, and they're have such a lead that I just don't see them slowing down. 
So I, I think they'll probably finish one and two, yeah. Joe, McDavid, and Dreisaitl. I think they will be one and two in scoring, but I actually kind of disagree. I think Leon will lead them both. Wow. It's happened I just before. feel like any – I feel like when McDavid – I'll just go ahead and say I think he's a better goal scorer, and I think he's he might be just as good at getting points. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not going to go that far, but I don't think it's a bad take. I think it's possible, but I'm still mm-hmm. sticking with McDavid to have 70 assists. Drysaddle will be closer to 50-50, whereas McDavid will probably be more along the lines of 40-75. Yeah, I think this could be a crazy year where both guys literally have 120 points. <laughs> no, I yeah, maybe. That then maybe dry saddles like 50, 70. Yeah, it's it's possible. It's absolutely possible. And to wrap up period one, Frank, I'll start with you. Who is the best team in Canada? I think it's the Edmonton Oilers. I think when you have to look at the best Canadian team, I think out of all the Canadian teams, they have the best chance to win the cup if a Canadian team were to win the cup. Um, I could give you 100%. And there's nothing more guaranteed in life than the bean guarantee. And I can give you a hundred percent bean guarantee that the Oilers will make the playoffs. And while I think Toronto will make the playoffs, I think Calgary has a chance to make the playoffs. I think the Jets have a chance to make the playoffs, but I can't guarantee that'll happen. Yes. You're pretty darn sure. You're like 99% sure that they might, or whatever, at least the Toronto, but I could hundred percent bean guarantee that the Oilers make the playoffs and they have the best chance to win the cup out of any Canadian team. So, therefore, I have no choice but to say that Edmonton Oilers are the best Canadian team right now. I would be guarantee that the Jets also make it. I thought Frankie was going to say, like, some big, like, you know, shocking take. But, yeah, I agree. I mean, the Oilers are going to guarantees are always 100%. Joe, so would you guarantee the Jets make it? Well, I was waiting for you to ask me who I think the best team in Canada is. Well, no, I'm going to I'm gonna in a minute. Well, but I'll I- just answer that. With your que- I'll answer it with the answer to your question. And yes, I think the Winnipeg Jets because I think they are the best team in Canada. Oh, okay. So they're, you know, they're doing, they're getting it done right now. You know, I mentioned Pierre Luc Dubois leading the way, kind of a breakout, a really established breakout year for him. Uh, and you look at their leading scorers, you got, you know, those guys, Dubois. We talked about Kyle Connor, Ehlers, uh, Neil, Neil Pionk is uh, leading the way on their back end. And then you look at their guys who we've seen up there for the past five years, Blake Wheeler, Mark Sykley are both sitting at five points. Once those guys get rolling, which we know they're going to, they still have the amazing goaltending in Connor Hellebuck. I honestly think from a, a full team build, the Winnipeg Jets are the best. You know, I like that we're going to have three different answers here. And maybe we could have like a three-way Canadian rivalry, kind of like we did with the NL West on – Crosstown Crosstalk. Um, we'll do the Canadian Vinny versus Joey versus Frankie because I'm going with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now, the only thing I'll say, I would not 1 million percent guarantee they make the playoffs. I, like, I wouldn't bet my life on the Leafs making the playoffs. I would on the Jets or the Oilers more. But the reason I wouldn't bet my life on the Leafs making the playoffs is they could technically be the better team and still suffer to the Bruins, the Lightning, and the Florida Panthers who are all awesome, and Detroit can beat anybody on any given night. The Atlantic Division is the best at the top, in my opinion. So that that's a, a worry for the Toronto Maple Leafs. But if I'm picking who I would roll with right now, I would go with the Leafs. I'm sticking with it. So we got the Oilers, Leafs, and Jets. I do think those are the three best. Uh, Cal- Calgary's up there, too. People in Calgary are going to come. I, th- I thought you were going to say Calgary. Twitters. 
I thought you were going to say Calgary, but then I forgot you like got a little man crush on the Leafs. No, the Leafs are just so good. They're they're they score. Morgan Riley's defending. They're getting pretty good goaltending. So that's Canada. We love Canada. Um, I don't know about you guys. I have no sense of American pride when people say that the Canadian teams haven't won the Stanley Cup since 1993. I honestly think that is the most moronic thing to point up to point out as an American because it is in no way, shape, or form proof that America is better at hockey than Canada. The best players on every American team, for the most part, Washington would probably say Russia carried their best player. The Toronto Maple Leafs were given an American as their best player. It's subjective for every team, but for the most part, 65 to 70% of every roster is Canadian born. So I take no pride in the Canadian teams not winning the Stanley Cup. That just means their GMs are sillier than everybody else. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I agree. Like uh, the, I, Haw- I... The, Haw- the Hawks won the Cup three times in six years. Jonathan Tabes was their captain. Patrick Sharp was their leading goal scorer at least twice. Um, Corey Crawford was their Vesna level goalie for seven years. Um, Duncan Keith, one Duncan more. Keith, Brent one Seabrook. Seabrook. I mean, guys, let let's chill with the anti-Canadian when it comes to winning the Stanley Cup because that has nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. And with that, we're gonna bring it home in period number two. Welcome to period two, where hopefully Joey doesn't bump it for a second straight time and play it twice in the period. In which we are going to talk about. See, I was hoping you would do it. You didn't. You didn't catch on there. I was hoping you would do it. Don't do it now. Then it'll just ruin it. But we're going to talk now, about now. If I did it now, after you told me not to do it, it'd be funny, right? <laughs> no, it would have been funny if you messed it up. Anyway, the Chicago Blackhawks—they've only played once since our last show, which I find very interesting. We talked about it on our last show. We previewed it. We didn't go over any of the games after because we knew we'd have another show. And so, of course, I'm talking about the 2-1 to win over the Arizona Coyotes. It was a very interesting game. Frank, start with you. I thought it was going to be a little more wide open. I thought the Hawks were going to get at least five goals. But at the end of the day, a win's a win. So I'll take a 2-1 to victory. Um, that gave them a three-game winning streak, which they desperately need right now to get out of the hole they're in. Um. Yeah, this point in the game that you're seeing now, when the Hawks scored, Debrinket got that goal. Um, the Arizona Arizona Coyotes were challenging the call, and I can only guess they were arguing that that they got possession of the puck. Yes, because if you look at the Hawks' net, it's empty. Flurry's right. off for the so, extra attack, meaning Arizona took a penalty, and the next time the Coyotes touched the puck, it was going to be blown for a Blackhawks power play. But of course, but, they scored. And uh, the goalie for Arizona, Kemper, was angry that he believed the Coyotes touched it, which should have stopped play. Yeah, because it wasn't offside, clearly. There was no goalie interference. Nobody was even close to him. So that's the only thing I could think of. But then they brought in that rules analyst, and I swear he said that something like that cannot be reviewed. So I don't even know why they were even looking at it in the first place. I'm just going by what the NHL rules analyst said. Um, but yeah, I'm happy they picked up a win. 
which is fine. Two to one, one zero. I don't care how they win. If it has to be low scoring, as long as they could get on a little bit of a win streak, which they have, let's uh, keep it rolling. Yeah. And a little brain fart. It was Scott Wedgwood. You should know from those Jersey red pads he's got rocking. Um, it was Wedgwood yeah. and Nat then. Yeah. Isn't Kemp, Kemp on the freaking avalanche now? I'm an idiot. Yeah. He replaced Grubauer, didn't he? Sorry, it's the same thing. Remember, I didn't I say Demko was on Colorado a couple weeks ago? I get my goalies mixed up all the time. It happens. Um, Kemper played for the Coyotes, and I know that much for a fact. Yeah. But, yeah, no, that was um, just a brain fart. It was Wedgwood, which is really funny, him wearing his jersey red stuff. Pet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the helmet. Um, <laughs> and, Frank, to kind of clear up what the confusion was, here's what I think happened. Uh, you, so you could uh, – the only thing that could be reviewed there is you. it's allowed to be reviewed – if the play should have blown dead due to something like the puck hitting the netting, they added this rule, I believe a couple years ago. Like you can review if the puck should have been played dead. I think in one of the playoff games, it was an impact goal where it was a hand pass and they didn't rule it dead. And then they scored. I think now if that it happens, was the, the blues, other... the blues against yeah. the sharks. I think now if something like that happens, they can review if there should have been a stoppage prior to the goal. There's like a certain time frame prior to the goal. If there was a hand pass or something, uh, and that would that would be able to pull that goal back. But because the the argument from Arizona was that it was uh, possession to you know for the delayed penalty, that isn't fall into that rule. Right, right. So that's probably why there was a delay. No, you can't review that. But we're going to look to see if there was a stoppage, uh, if there should have been a stop, stoppage due to like a hand pass or something. That's my guess why there was a delay. But yeah, that couldn't be reviewed if there was possession because that's an on ice judgment call. If possession of the puck for the Coyotes would have stopped the play. There definitely was a penalty coming to the Coyotes, though, because if mm-hmm. you go back yeah. and watch the replay, yeah. Flurry's not on the ice. The end, the net is empty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And one so. thing, uh, I'll just kind of segue in, into that game. Uh, Mark Andre Flurry, I want to talk about another great start from him because I, I see you don't have it written down, but I'll just go ahead and throw that out there. Another another solid win making. I have right here twenty two saves on twenty three shots, and you know keep this win streak alive. Yeah, it was a good performance by Flurry. Dylan Strome was given was awarded the game winning goal as a result of him putting the Hawks up two to one and the Coyotes not scoring another goal. Jeremy Colleton had this guy in the doghouse. He was healthy, scratched basically every single game. Former third overall pick. You traded Schmaltz for him from those Coyotes, oddly enough. And I just don't get how a skill guy like that. Yeah, maybe Strom hasn't lived up to being a third overall pick. Like maybe the Coyotes thought when they passed up on Marner and Hannafin and, you know, some very Warensky, very good players like that. But I do think he's a very good player that should be in the middle six on this Blackhawks roster. There were guys playing over him when Colleton was in charge that were just simply not as good. And Derek King comes in. He is the danger. And he puts in Dylan Strom. He scores the game-winning goal. So I'm all in on Dylan Strome being in the lineup every single game. He should be part of this thing as long as he's on the roster. Frank, what are your thoughts on Dylan Strome? Couldn't agree more. I love this kid so much. I think so highly of him. He's a great athlete. Um, He only has two points in eight games, but he'll get it going. Like you said, Colleton didn't give him the time of day. Um but hopefully in this new era that the Hawks are in, he'll kind of excel a little bit more. I I really, really hope the Hawks don't give up on him. 
because I, I see so much potential in him. The only thing I want to critique about how he's been playing is he's got 14 penalty minutes in eight games. So you're basically giving every game that he's playing, you're basically giving the opponent a guaranteed power play, which he needs to cut back on. But other than that, um, his offensive skill, I think there's so much potential there and they need to play him every game. Like you said, he's got to be in this lineup to really get things going. And yeah, that discipline taking penalties at the NHL level comes with experience and you're not Mm -hmm. getting experience when you're health bombed. (laughs) Uh, under Jeremy Colleton. And also another thing I like about Dylan Strom coming into the lineup, not only are they putting him in the lineup, you know, in key situations, he's playing on the power play halfway through the third uh, in a one, one game on the top power play unit playing out there with Seth Jones, who was cycling the zone real well. If If you look back at the goal, Patrick Kane eventually finds him in the slot and he puts it home. So it's great seeing him in the, playing that high slot position, which is a very important part of any power play important part of any power play a little alliteration there for you um yeah so that's uh that's great to see from dylan strom if he if this guy can you know get rolling and just add another piece of depth to this lineup especially with the absence of tyler johnson that's another great thing for uh, the chicago blackhawks i would not take strom out when tyler johnson comes back no neither would i neither would i make him play wing on the top line like they've been doing and i think it's just it's a good idea tonight your Chicago Blackhawks will face the Seattle Kraken for the first time in NHL history. It is coming in Seattle at the, what is it? The something pledge arena, the climate pledge arena. It is a chance for the Hawks to win their fourth straight game. Both of these teams are in the basement of the Western conference. Each of them needs to get it going. If they ever want to even sniff being a bubble team, Joe, what are you looking at when the Hawks play the Kraken? They got to get wins on the road. They have yet to win on the road. Um, and, and honestly, it starts in Seattle tonight. You got a later start. I'm sure they've been, you know, over on that West Coast for some time now. I don't know when they exactly left. It probably was yesterday. Um, but, you know, you want to start off the road trip on the right note. Something to build off of going into a very tough Canadian swing. In Edmonton, Van- we'll see how Vancouver plays, but then Calgary right after that. Uh, and, and it starts tonight in Seattle. So I look for a good game from Marc-Andre Fleury, you know, continue right where they left off. So, Frank? Um, well, the Hawks don't have good luck against expansion teams, particularly Vegas. Um, the Blackhawks have played Vegas 15 times in franchise history and have only beaten them twice. So I'm hoping playing the 32nd expansion team in the Kraken that they kind of pick up the pace. And I do think they get their first NHL win against the Kraken and their first NHL time they're playing them, their first franchise game they're playing them, and get four games in a row in the winning column. I think it's key if they're trying to make a push for the playoffs. It's, these are teams you got to beat when you're hot. So let's make it four in a row. I really hope that – it's not an expansion thing and that it's uh, Vegas is really freaking good thing. Yeah. That's such a hard thing. It's to hard to with, think. It's hard Vegas. to think of Vegas as an expansion team, man, honestly, because they came in and were like a top five team and basically have been ever since. So the Kraken are bad. The Hawks should beat them. If they don't, they're in trouble. I already think they're in trouble. I know I'm in the minority on this podcast. I think they would have to have like a 700 winning percentage the rest of the way to make the playoffs. And I just don't see it. So, you got to beat the Kraken, though, if you do want to do that. One thing to note going into this game, uh, the Kraken 
on the power play are the 31st best team at 10%. They're cooking at 10.9% on the power play, which is terrible. You could take <laughs> so 10 naturally the Hawks, the Hawks will give up three power play goals, three PPGs, two to Everly. That means theoretically the Hawks can take 10 penalties and they'll only score on one of them. Well, the good Seattle news for practice. Dylan Strom, I guess, right? But but that's not even taking into consideration that, you know, the math goes even further if you look at the Hawks' penalty killing, which is sitting at 87%, which is fourth in the league, which is pretty good. So, um, obviously, that doesn't mean take the penalties. As you can see, all hail the king. Uh, the penalty, the power play has been good under him, so let's just hope that continues. Uh, they're cooking at 20%. So, I mean, honestly, the power play is going to be a, a big thing. This is a very vulnerable Seattle team even at home in Seattle. Real quick, Frank, I want to ask you from your point of view. I know Vinny and I have talked about this a lot. Do you like or hate when, you know, your team goes on these West Coast trips and plays the later 9 p.m. starts? Uh, I'm not a fan of it. No? I don't like – I mean, no, i I just rather, like, play at 6. Like, right, just, now it's, uh, right now it's 3 p.m. Like, you still got another seven or six hours before. Yeah, I, I want to get to the game. I'm looking forward to it. It's like – I don't want to wait that long and then run to midnight. And I just yeah. rather like get it out of the way. I want prime time television. I want to just have dinner, maybe eat a little dinner during the game. I want to be a full stomach. You don't want to be, eat, you don't want to be eating your dessert for the opening. No, no, no. Absolutely not. I like game. the earlier games. So, yeah. What's up, man? I was just going to respond to Scott's and tell him that I believe from people I've heard from, Reichel will get his NHL call up in around January after the World Juniors is over. And you might see him be on the roster through the Olympics just in case. Like, you'll see Reichel this season, I think. Very good. I still don't know for sure if it's Reichel or Reichel. I guess we'll wait to find out for that debut. I've heard I mean, Reichel. I'm, I'm just going because do you remember, do you remember um, Kirby Reichel? He played for the Leafs. I want to say the Panthers. I don't remember exactly, but it was for sure Kirby Reichel. So when Lucas Reichel came along, Lucas, right? Uh, yeah. I, I don't Lucas. know. I I can't I can't see it being a, anything other than Reichel. But maybe you're right. I was wrong about Darlene. <laughs> What's your guys' opinion on the later games? Oh, we love them. I like them. I can only like I'm happy I I watch uh, an Eastern Conference team that only does it you know twice a year when they go because they only, they only play uh, those California teams once over there and the same thing with like those Western Canada teams so I'm happy it's only pretty much twice a year because they usually get both those road trips done at once I would hate it if it was like you know it, it's a little more common even those 8:30 p.m. starts sometimes in Chicago and when they're going to play Colorado or sometimes I think the Edmonton game is at eight uh, that's the, I. I that's a little late for me, so. It's not that I hate it. I just rather watch an earlier game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my thing like, is. You, you kind of limit yourself, though, like, because you want to watch the game and, like, there's stuff you want to do, but then by the time the game's over, I mean, it's just, like, get it over with early and then you still have a little bit of your night left. 6 p.m. is solid. I love Yeah, I, yeah 6 p.m. I'll even take 7. See, I am a weirdo who like just watches all the late night sports anyway. Like last night I was watching Maction go until like 1130. Like they were on all the TVs and, you know, I'll watch the California hockey teams at basically every single night. So when it's my team, it's not much of a difference because I'd be watching sports at that time anyway. So that that's why I like it. Um, 
And they got a couple of these games coming up on the Western Canada trip. Edmonton on Saturday, Vancouver on Sunday, Calgary on Tuesday. Guys, it's a tough road trip following the couple cupcakes that they've had. Hopefully Seattle turns out to be a cupcake. But those are not cupcakes. Even Vancouver. Vancouver on the road. Joe? Yeah, I'll just go ahead and I'm going to do the most chalk thing here. And I'm going to say they go two and two. And and I'm going to go ahead. Including Seattle. Yeah. And you can include or you could just assume the two and two that I'm talking about here. I think they can beat Seattle. So you think they're going to get it to a five game win streak? Yes. I think they'll beat Seattle tonight. No, no, no. Not a five game win streak. It would would be four. I thought Vancouver was first for half a second. Edmonton was first. I believe that they should be able to take care of it in Seattle. Losing to Edmonton that, you know, Frankie talked about how good the Oilers were, especially at home. Uh, That Saturday game is going to be tough at 9 p.m. And then Sunday, second half of back-to-back, I think they can get it done. Um, And then that game against the Flames is also going to be tough over in Calgary. So I don't know. I'm saying two and two, playing it safe. Frank? Yeah, I think uh, the Hawks are going to surprise a lot of people here, and I think they're going to go three and one. I think they get the win tonight, and they carry that momentum. There's not a better time. I'd rather them go on this road trip than now. At least they have a little bit of momentum going into it. Hopefully they get their fourth win even better. And I'd rather them be doing that now than early on in the season when they were slumping. I think Derek King's been great. The system's been working great. I cannot wait to see what they do on this road trip. And ultimately, this could be telling how the rest of their season's going to go. They go 3-1 and and surprise a lot of people. I think that's going to change a lot of people's perspective on them. Maybe uh, there'll be a little more hope. But I honestly truly believe that they're going to go three and one interesting i'm with joey on two and two but not the same games i think they are going to beat the calgary flames and lose to vancouver and yeah well lose to vancouver no yeah that's tough no they'll beat calgary yeah they'll lose to vancouver and edmonton they'll be i think they could beat the kraken I'll but if they, if, if they lose tonight. if they lose to the Kraken tonight, then I think Owen four. If they lose to the Kraken tonight, I, I kind of think that like this is something to keep an eye on for the Kraken. Like are the Kraken gonna you know figure it out? <laughs> I'm all in on the Kraken still. I'm Maybe if they lose to the Kraken tonight, it will change my entire view of the Western Canadian road trip. So I'm reserving that. But if they beat the Kraken, then I think the road trip will end up either two and two or three and one. Honestly, the Edmonton. Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl got to be licking their chops to play against this team. I mean, the trade chances, there's been suspect goaltending for most of the season so far. Um, they would probably really be licking their chops if Jeremy Colleton was still the coach because that dude just loved to allow opposing superstars to go off on him. But that's my take on it. Really quick to wrap up the Hawks, Marion Hosa and Doug Wilson were both inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame this week. They both had to wait an extra 365 days because of the COVID-19 pandemic. They were inducted last year. Marion Hosa is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Doug Wilson made it in his 24th year of eligibility. Doug Wilson is, I'm going to try and rattle this off off the top of my head because I didn't write it down, but I wrote it in an article earlier today. Check it out on DeWindyCity.com. I believe Doug Wilson is 12th all-time in goals by a defenseman. 18th all-time in assists by a defenseman, and 15th all-time in points by a defenseman. 
So one of the all-time great defensemen, he's currently serving as the general manager of the San Jose Sharks and has been for a long time. He's made great trades like Eric Carlson. You know, I'm pretty sure he brought in Brent Burns for Coyle. So just just plenty of good stuff from the San Jose Sharks there. And then, of course, there's Marion Hosa. 1,134 career points, I believe. Um, over 500 career goals. He was a Selkie Trophy vote-getter. Not finalist, but vote-getter in 15 out of his 19 NHL seasons. Now, centers mostly win, win that. He never won it. He's a winger. They do the two-way thing. The face-offs are taken into consideration. He never won it as a winger, but he deserved it many times. He's one of the great two-way players who ever lived. And I believe there are going to be some Cub fans who get mad at me with this, but I don't think it's arguable. Marion Hosa is the greatest free agent signing in the history of Chicago sports. And so I was so happy to see him be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Joe, I know you're a, we're a Hosa guy. It's on yeah, you. Uh, my favorite player, you know, in, the, in his tenure with the Hawks, you know, he was my guy to go to. Frankie has that signed Hosa stick that every time I go in that basement, he's looking at it right now. If he looks up a little bit, there it yeah, is. It is. Um, every time I go in that basement, I say, Frank, let me get that Hosa stick. And he says, no. I'm like, all right, fuck you, Frank. One day I'm going to get it. One day I'm going to get that Hosa stick from you. Uh, I love Marion Hosa. You know, his his patent half slapper. I can picture him scoring goals like that. Uh, what a guy, you know, fellow countryman of former captain Zidane Chara as well. <laughs> this fucking guy. There it is. Back to the Bruins. It's like a loop. Frank, Hosa, Wilson. Um, Well, I never actually got to watch Doug Wilson play, obviously, but so grateful that I got to experience me growing up watching hockey and getting to experience a great prime portion of his career. I mean, he was just an absolute stud with the Hawks. It actually kind of makes me feel a bit old now because you see everybody who's inducted. I'm like, oh, my God, I know all these people Mm -hmm. who've been inducted. I'm like, am I really getting that old that everybody's eligible now? I'm like, wow. So. Of course, um, the class led by Jerome Ginla. Exactly. So I'm like, of. so I'm like, I'm watching all these people. Daniel Alfredson. Mm-hmm. So it's like I, I've watched all these people play. It kind of makes me feel old, and I and I'm so grateful that I actually got to meet Marion Hosa when he signed that stick. I shook his hand. We took a picture with each other. So I, I just he's a great guy, and I'm so happy for the both of them. Do you agree with Aginla leading that class, Joe? I do. I think Aginla is one of the greatest players we've ever seen. So do I, but I think Marion Hosa also is. I think Marion Hosa should lead the class. I would I, rather have had who ask, ask yourself whose career would you rather have had? Jerome McGinley. That's crazy. Uh, a career? Give give me cups. Career, me, yeah, the three cups. I, I would trade cups. okay, so their difference is a hundred goals. Did he have two cups or three? He only had the two, right? Three. He was on the fifteen team? Yeah. Yes. He was their leading scorer. In the regular season that year. <laughs> Marion Hosa's career is probably yeah. the most underrated career in the history of the NHL. Jerome McGinley had about 100 more goals than Hosa. 100 more points, goals is hard points, to do. But their points age. were similar. Their points were similar. And Hosa won the cup three times. And his defensive prowess as a high-flying scorer like that is just unbelievable. He's basically like that generation's Bergeron. Again, uh, didn't win the cup, right? He lost in the Stanley Cup with the Calgary Flames, um, I believe. Yes, they lost the Stanley Cup final to the Carolina Hurricanes in 2004. That's yeah, because, yeah, no, six. Oh, yeah, the Hurricanes won in 2006. 
Yeah. Okay, then the right? 2004. The yeah, Edmonton Oilers lost oh, the was Cup it the in Ducks? 04. And to the Ducks. No, the Ducks yeah. won it in 04. I thought, yeah. yeah no, the, the Lightning Ducks won it in 04. The Lightning won it in 04 with, under John Tortorella. And they beat. When did the Ducks win? 07. Oh, they okay. beat the Senators. And then the Red Wings. And yeah, so the Flames yeah. lost it in 07. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. And the right. funny thing yeah. is, Hosa was on the Penguins in 08, lost. Then he went to Detroit, lost to the Penguins in 09. Then he goes to the Hawks, gets his cup. So, yeah, so he's he played go. in a lot of Stanley Cup finals. Yeah. Five. Five in a span of eight yeah. years. Um, but it's another crazy. thing, you know, you look at Jerome McGinley, he's, uh, he's got a gold medal. Um, it was just one gold medal, right? He he, he didn't make that two thousand. Yeah, and he made he made a sweet play to make sure Crosby got that puck for the mm-hmm. the golden goal in overtime. So two thousand ten gold medal, which this is the Hockey Hall of Fame, not the NHL Hall of Fame. So I believe that yeah. you know plays a factor in him sure. leading the class, and also the fact that he was able to captain a, a franchise like the Calgary Flames, and you know ultimately lead them to to great a great tenure and great run throughout his career. So I agree with Iggy being the number one guy. Can you name the five teams Marion Hosa played for? The Atlanta Thrashers, Pittsburgh Penguins, Detroit Red Wings, Chicago Blackhawks, and I think I know Arizona that. Coyotes. Phoenix. Coyotes. He was traded to there, but he didn't play for them. They got Is rid it... of his contract. Can I take a stab at it? Yeah. Is it Joey? the Senators? Yep. The Ottawa Ooh, Senators. Did he get drafted there? The first six years of his career. Can you name the four teams Jerome Ginla played for? Yes. The Calgary Flames, the mm-hmm. Pittsburgh Penguins, the Boston yep. Bruins, and the Los Angeles Kings. You're missing one. There's five. I was wrong. <laughs> what the fuck? You said four. <laughs> yeah, but you, you, I didn't think you would remember the Kings. Wait, did you say – who would you say? The, the Bruins, He's... Penguins, Flames, and Kings. Didn't he play, did he play for the Lance? Yep. The Colorado, Colorado Avalanche. Avalanche. You're right, he did. I'm coming clean up when Joey. Yeah, a little number twelve in Colorado. You're right. I was gonna say I thought um, I remember him in an Avs jersey. One more thing about the Hawks. We were getting way off topic here. This could have all been NHL talk here with Aginla. Uh, one last thing about Hawks. This actually just came out right before our show that the Chicago Blackhawks have hired Rob Cookson as their assistant coach, and then they named Mark Crawford an associate coach under interim coach King uh, Derek King's staff. So that's good news. They'll, they'll be meeting up with the team in Seattle today. So fun stuff. Very interesting. Do you think Hosa is the greatest free agent signing in Chicago sports history? Really the only other comparison. I said I was going to annoy Cub fans. I'm not trying to for once in my life. John Lester gets that. It gets himself in that conversation. But I, I I think it's Hosa like easy. I think Marion Hosa's done more for the city of Chicago. Like yeah, they, they won more and I think he was better he was a better yeah. hockey player. That's not I, like a bad take. I'm just gonna go out on a limb and assume like none of those big three uh, back in the Bulls era were free agent signings. Dennis Rodman was. He's I mean, in the conversation. An argument. I mean, that's an argument. <laughs> yeah, but but not like Hosa. I don't no, know. No shot. I don't Dennis, know. You'd have to argue Dennis, that with you'd have yeah, to argue no. that with some of the great, you know. Chicago Bulls. Uh, I'll say uh, that we yeah, have no, on the... I, I think Hosa's won. I I think Lester's ahead of Rodman because Lester only got one opposed to Rodman's three. But the Cubs arguably won 
because of signing John Lester. That was a huge addition to their pitching rotation. The Bulls had already won three titles without Rodman, and then getting him just made them OP. I don't know. So I don't know. See, I don't that, know enough about that. That's why I bring that, it up. That, I bring it up to spark. My, no, it's a it's a good argument. There's no doubt. He's definitely on the Mount Rushmore, maybe. And then you know, I'm trying to think of some Bears free agent signings over the years. Um, most they of them don't Khalil work Mack out. Or did they trade for? Him? They traded for Khalil Mack, but yeah. So maybe we could get all the one person to represent each team in Chicago to argue their greatest free agent signing. But I would have to represent the Blackhawks probably, and they're not even my favorite team in Chicago. But the White Sox, their all-time greatest free agent, I wouldn't even be able to tell you. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, if I they, got nothing on that. If they would have won the World Series, could it be like Lance Lynn? <laughs> No, he traded for Lance Lynn. Maybe Grendahl. Grendahl oh, is, okay. Carlton Fisk was a free agent signing. That's a really good point. He's probably their best. Yeah, I would probably Seriously. go Fisk over. But uh, you're right. If they win two of the next three World Series, then how do you say it's someone not someone on that team? And does that include an international free agent signing? No, not if it's like a kid. No, I won't say Luis Robert is like part of that or anything. So Well, we'll see. We all know I got – a little bit to talk about in period number three. What do you say? Period number three. Welcome to period three, where unfortunately Joey will probably be talking about some golden black team playing on the Eastern Conference. But I'm going to start for once in life. Yeah, you could start and you can lead it into Saturday's Devils game. I'll let you talk all about it. <laughs> The New Jersey Devils are one of the teams that are on the bubble in the NHL this season. Over the weekend, they went 0-1-1. They played a very good game against the New York Rangers on Sunday. They lost it in a shootout. They're not very good at shootouts. And the one time a couple guys actually put the puck in the net in the shootout, they actually don't get a save when they need it, and they end up losing the game. They tied it late, which was really nice to see. Um, This team just doesn't give up. They grind. They're missing Jack Hughes. He'll be back really soon. Um, they're, they're one of those like pesky teams that you just don't want to play against. But one team that has had their number this season so far is the Boston Bruins. They played them on Saturday. And the Bruins kind of played with their food after the f- first period was over. I know there were points where the Devils looked like they were going to come back. But it just never ended up happening. And then when the Bruins got that fourth goal, it was a backbreaker. And... Nothing was able to come of it from that point. It was kind of a weird goal that was able to sneak through the goalie and get put past them. But it was weird to start Bernier against the Bruins and Blackwood against the Rangers. I don't know if the coaching staff saw the Rangers as more of a threat than the Bruins, which would just be crazy talk to me. But or because of it being a road game or what? I whatnot. think it had more to do with the extra day of rest with Blackwood playing uh, two days prior against the Islanders. That could be. I would have started Blackwood against the, the Bruins. But I would have started maybe... Blackwood. I think that was a very big coaching mistake because not only did uh, – I don't want to steal your thunder, but I'll just go ahead and say he had a very good game against the Islanders. Yes, and he was good against the Rangers too. He gave up a goal to Kako as Kako was barreling into him with his elbow. I don't know if you saw mm-hmm. that. They didn't challenge it for goalie interference, and I think they would have won because there's so much evidence that the puck wasn't even shot yet before Kako barreled into him. So I agree with you. And, you know, the Devils are a good team. They're not a great team. They could become a great team. We'll see what happens. But 
you know, they were, I really don't have much to talk about as well beyond those two games because they were canceled earlier this week, yesterday, actually. Frankie brought it up when we were talking about Canada. The Ottawa Senators have 10 players in COVID protocol, so they just decided to cancel their next three games and postpone them for the later in the season. So the Devils will get that game back against Ottawa. I view it as an extra game for Jack Hughes, which is really nice. You get one of those games canceled that he would have missed and you add it later in the season. That, that'll be nice. But for me, the Devils are – they're an interesting team, and the Bruins beat them. So I'll, I'll send it over to you on the Bruins. Yeah, well, you didn't even talk about the, their best game they had since our last show, and that was against the New York Islanders. That's why I said I didn't want to spoil it for you, but I guess I'll go ahead and do it for you. Tatar had his first goal of the season. Dawson Mercer kind of started a, what it was a great weekend. That kid's, you know, looking to be I real I feel like awesome. I talk about Dawson Mercer on every single show. The audience is going to be tired of me talking about Dawson Mercer. And, of course, Blackwood got his shutout winning, and the team won 4 to nothing. That's a tough Islanders team. Um, but, yeah, then they go on to play the Bruins, a real team, and, you know, shit happens. But um, what was I going to say? I was so going to say one, well, one, oh. one, one and one since our last show. It's a good, it's a good week for the Devils when you're playing those types of teams. And they got Florida coming up this week. They got Florida and Tampa Bay, so it's a very difficult road trip. You can read a preview of it on PucksandPitchforks.com tomorrow morning. So you know that's what I got on the Devils. They're they're a good team. They're going to struggle from now time to time. They'll lose a shootout. A team like the Bruins will beat them, but they're going to go to Florida where they already beat Florida. But we talked about that on our last show when they dismantled the Florida Panthers. Now the Panthers are going to be without Barkov, but it's going to be in Florida. So it's going to be interesting to see what the Devils are able to do in that type of situation. So, you know, the reason I I don't say much is because I'm still learning what the Devils are. And I feel like everybody around the league is. Yeah. Uh, A quick funny story about that Sunday game against the Rangers. Uh, We were actually – I was getting ready to play a hockey game, all right? So I had to take that third period of the Bruins-Montreal game, which I'll talk about in a second. Uh, I took that on my phone, watched it on the go. All was fine. You know, I do that all the time. I, I really didn't miss much. I just watched uh, uh, Taylor Hall's birthday empty net goal on the, on the phone. And, you know, as I was getting dressed and ready to go onto the ice, uh, that the game ended. So I, w- I just finished it in the locker room. And I was with our cousin, and he had a parlay in, a Bruins-Devils parlay. I don't know if in his head he was going, you know, the Parisi Brothers parlay, win him a little money. Uh, and so I switched off of the Bruins game after it ended, and the Devils were losing 3-2 to two or 2-1. Two to, two to one. Was it 3-2 to two? the Devils were losing? 3-2, yep. And I, and I put that game on and, and slid my phone next to him, you know, so he can watch it as we're changing ready to get on the ice. He's like, you doing that just to be a dick, or did you actually put that on me to watch? And I was like, no, let's, let's watch him tie it. And this is without me knowing. And then, sure as shit, Pavel Zaka ties the game. They're going to overtime. And I was like, what do you want? Do you want me to bring my phone to the bench? We could watch it on the bench so you can see if you win your bet or not. He's like, no, then I'll just be mad after if, if it doesn't happen. I'll just, we'll go the whole game, you know, let, let the suspense forget about it and then come and check it after. So as we're on the ice playing this game, every time we looked at each other, we were like, talking about oh i guarantee they just the devils just won it and then he did an impression of your yes like you being happy that i just won it and you're like oh yeah they definitely just won it just now i felt that and then so all game we were making that joke and then uh we went back to the locker room and it was the biggest disappointment to see that the rangers won it but um that was a little funny story that i hate both of you yeah me and our cousin frank (laughs) shout out frank i don't know if he's he's watching but shout out him a different Frank. We have a, you know how us Italians do. We got a million Franks in the family. We're either guess, Frank, uh, Vinny, Joey, or Anthony. Get used to it. 
Exactly. You talked about the Devils Bruins game, so I guess I'll just talk about what I alluded to earlier and what was my favorite game of the season. The first time the Bruins played the Montreal Canadiens since uh, I believe to early 2020, February of 2020, um, and they wore this jersey. I put this jersey up for a reason because the Bruins have worn this jersey more than any jersey. They've worn this jersey three times on the road, and for they've worn it for about half of their home game. So they love this jersey. I'm happy I own one because I've been wearing it. I've been wearing it. And they wore it when they played the Montreal Canadiens on Sunday. And I said, if your name was Charlie, you just were loving it. Charlie McAvoy, his first two-goal game, uh, followed by two goals from Charlie Coyle and the empty netter by Taylor Hall on his 30th birthday. It was just honestly an amazing game. Charlie McAvoy... He'll make a the, everything this kid does. He makes a big hit, and then two seconds later scores a big goal. And he did just that. He uh, he really got the game going, got the energy in the building, and it was back to back starts from goaltender Jeremy Swayman, who I have just not shut up about on this podcast pretty much since we started. Uh, he's having a great start to his season. I kind of think this weekend we'll see how Allmark does coming up here, but I think Jeremy Swayman is the number one goalie moving forward. And he played a great back-to-back against Jersey and in Montreal. I was I was shocked to see him start both games, which ultimately gave me the win in fantasy. But honestly, it was a, a great weekend from the Boston Bruins. Uh, with the way the schedule works, you know, you never know when they're going to play next. And sure, shit, I have to wait and wait an entire week for this Saturday's game against the Philadelphia Flyers. So a whole week off, a lot of practice time. We'll see how it goes. There's going to be a stretch of games in like January though, where the Bruins play three and four. Or something yeah, like that. There's going to be a lot and of them. Usually Joe, Marches are crazy. Marches. Joey's, Joey's going to be talking lots of Bruins on this show for the next couple months. So we're looking forward to it. Frank, you got anything on the Devils or Bruins? Kind of recap what me and Joey were saying? Well, it's so hard to talk about the Bruins because they don't play. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. That's um, fair. The Devils were yeah. like that for a minute, but then they started playing some games. And now freaking COVID from the Senators. Between the <laughs> Bruins and Devils, though, the Bruins have uh, – they have more expectation, I think, from people that they're supposed to be the better team here. Yeah, so I think sure. that win that win against the Devils was like, all right, they won against the Devils. That was at home. Were they home against the Devils? No, it was no, it was Prudential. in New Jersey. Okay, so there you go. Even better, they were on the road against New Jersey. That's a game that if the Bruins are gonna start progressing to be that little bit better of a team, then those are the games they have to win. But I was very surprised at the Devils when they beat the Islanders because they don't beat the Islanders, let alone shut them out. So that was a big, big win. Their loss uh, against the Rangers was kind of a heartbreaker. I think they could have very well won that game. Um, but the Bruins should be on the up. Like I said, it's hard to talk about them because we don't know. They don't. They play one game a week. And uh, the Devils are still going to be right there, progressing, still think they're a bubble team. So we'll see where it yeah. goes. That shootout, you said they should have won. They should have. That shootout went eight rounds. Mm-hmm. So the Devils, and, the Devils and Rangers, man, those two teams are going to have some battles this season. And I'm yep. looking forward to it. You reminded me also, this is the second show in a row where I have to come in and talk about the Devils who went 1-1-1 one, one since our last show. Because remember, they went 1-1-1 one, one, and one in California. And that was my recap last week. And now they went 1-1-1 one, one, and one on the East Coast with the Bruins, Devils, and, or Bruins, Islanders, and Rangers. So hopefully the Devils can stop going 1-1-1. One, one, one. Speaking... Of the East Coast. Guys, we had a kind of a touching moment last night. And that came in Philadelphia when Kevin Hayes scored his first goal of the season. He missed the first part of the season with a little bit of an injury. 
Um, his brother Jimmy passed away earlier this summer. We talked about it at length on the show. We I, didn't we dedicate a whole period to Jimmy? And, you know, we loved the guy. He was one of the few players in NHL history that played for the Devils, Hawks, and Bruins. So, really, all three of us got to know what it was like to have Jimmy Hayes on their team. And Kevin is one of the great players in the league right now. And he scored his first goal yesterday, and he pointed to the sky. And, you know, it was just something that you really, really, really – you don't know how to feel about it because it's such a cool moment. But – you know, you feel sad for the guy because of how how the year has gone for him. And when you see when you see human like moments on the ice, it makes you realize like uh, this is just a game. These guys got families. It's an important game. We all love it. We all love Kevin Hayes. And I, I was happy to see him have that type of moment yesterday. Yeah. And I'm sure that moment, you know, continued because they did go on to win that game in overtime. That's a big game for the Flyers beating a great team in Calgary. Uh, I'm sure that locker room was very emotional. You know, they, you know, you know, Kevin was he had words to say probably to his, that group of guys that he calls his family. So it, it was awesome to see. Frank? Yeah, something that uh, it was very emotional moment, obviously. And something that all of us have in common with Kevin Hayes is that we all have a brother, and I can't imagine going through what he had to go through. So I think scoring that goal and pointing up to this guy, just a magical moment, and I I feel so bad for him. Yeah, and, you know, the three of us know what it's like to lose people we love, and so you can relate to it a little bit. And, you know, I just hope Kevin is able to move forward and use that foundation that they started. You, you can check it out through Kevin's Twitter. I think Rear Admiral wrote a blog about it for Barstool Sports, I think is helping promote it. So anything you can do to, you know, whatever happened with Jimmy, you want to make sure you don't like to see it happen. You try to prevent it from happening. And anybody who can get some help, we're, we're 100% behind on this podcast. So it was great to see uh, Kevin honor Jimmy like that yesterday. Um, and a little bit of lighter news. Our guy, Ryan Getzlaff, we alluded to it earlier in the show. He scored his 1,000th career point. And before I get Joey and Frankie's thoughts on it, I think it's crazy that the best player in Anaheim Ducks history, I do believe that, Solani was a better overall player, but half of his career came in Winnipeg. But in terms of pure Ducks, it's Getzlaff for me. And... He scored his 1,000th career point on a primary assist for a Cam Fowler goal that gave them a one nothing lead. It was and, and Trevor Zegers scored in overtime to give the Anaheim Ducks their 1,000th win in franchise history. So their 1,000th win in franchise history came in a game where their greatest player got his 1,000th point. And how can you not be romantic about hockey, Joe? Yeah, I mean... I didn't. I actually didn't know that. That's actually really cool. Another what are the odds kind of thing. Yep, hundred uh, percent. And the Florida Panthers, who came in the league at the same time as Anaheim, they got their nine hundredth win yesterday. So over the last twenty five years, the Anaheim Ducks have been a hundred games better than the Panthers, which I would have thought more. But yeah, no. And honestly, like Ryan Getzlaff, it's it's a good argument between Timu and you make a good point with Timu playing a lot in Winnipeg. Um, but he, he had the he better had, career. He had some great numbers in Anaheim. You wonder if he would yeah. have played his his whole career in Anaheim. 
then you he'd know. be the guy. Yeah. So I don't know. You could you can argue that he's still the best player to ever play for them just because he didn't play as long. Uh, but Ryan Getzlaff, you know, he's been there, done that. He's the leader. He runs this franchise. Uh, and honestly, it's a. I think he we're kind of living through the passing of a toy, passing of the torch between him and some of these young guys and Trevor Zegris, who you mentioned, and Troy Terry. Uh, so it's real cool to see. I'm very happy for them. I'm, I'm all in on the Ducks. And, you know, him and you look at Anze Kopitar, uh, some of these other older guys in the league, like you just when you think you for, you, you write them off, they're they're showing that they're not done yet. And I think that's what Ryan Getzlaff is doing in Anaheim because he's still very productive right now. I think passing Solani in points takes away the argument for me because Solani had the better career. They're both Hall of Famers, in my opinion. Solani's already in. But I don't know, man. I, like, Getzlaff, is, he's just the Ducks. He was their first-round pick, one of their two first-round picks in 2003, the greatest draft in the history of pro men's sports, in my opinion. Um, second best is the 03 NBA draft, oddly enough, for me. But I don't know. Uh, Ryan Getzlaff is awesome. I was happy to see him get his 1,000-point. Frank, I know – I know you have some thoughts on Mr. Getzlaff. Yeah, you once again make me feel old because we watched Getzlaff growing up, and he's such a leader in Anaheim. And I think the the young guns in Anaheim have such a great leader to look up to. It was so nice to see him get his 1,000 point. Um, We'll see how many more he'll get on the way to 1,100. If he'll get to 1,100. Um, I don't know how many more years he'll play, but I, I don't have anything bad to say about the Ducks, and I'm happy for Getzlev. And like I said, I think that a lot of the young guys on the team are going to get some of his leadership skills, and the Ducks are going through a new era right now. They're young. They're going to be contenders one day, and I think a lot of that could be given credit to Getzlev. I – uh I didn't realize, I kind of forgot that this, uh, his most recent tenure when he retired, Team Mussolini in 2014, was his second tenure with the Anaheim Ducks. He actually only played in Winnipeg for the first four seasons of his career. He's mainly a duck. He played six years in Anaheim before going to San Jose, then Colorado, and then back to Anaheim to finish his career for the remaining eight years. So, very, yeah. in, very interesting, actually. Yeah. So I I think it's it's close. Um Solani had the rookie year in Winnipeg where he scored 76 goals. Like that's that's that might probably never again. something he'll always be known for. Yeah, I don't think so either. Yeah. I mean, most rookies don't get to like 30. Yeah. So, I mean, unless Troy Terry like, you know. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's very good. This is going to become a Ducks podcast in short order. I can already feel it. Um, Frank, what is one story from around the NHL that you would like to share? I hope he doesn't steal mine. Well, the other night I was watching the Hawks game. It was an ESPN Plus exclusive game. Uh, Leah Hextall and Dominic Moore were calling the game. And I was watching. Um, and when I was watching, they said something that like made me go, wow that we're actually on record watch that a record is potentially and most likely going to be broken this year. And I said, wow, this would be perfect to talk on the podcast because I think it's so cool. Um, right now 
the leader for the most games consecutive gameplay record is held by Doug Jarvis. He played 964 games in a row. To my, what they were talking about it because Phil Kessel plays for the Coyotes, and Phil Kessel currently is at 916 games in a row. So I did more research on it, and I found out that Keith Yandel Sonk. has played 936 games in a row. But and according to the NHL record website, his is still active. But I went to like look at his games, and I, I don't think he played. There were games he missed like the past few years. Like, it doesn't say 82 games played, 82 games played. One season he had, like, 21. So I don't know how that's considered active. Um, I don't know. Like, if you go and it says, like, 21 games played or whatever, I'm like, well, 21, that's not even close to, like, he had to miss a game somewhere. And I don't remember what they said because I thought they were just talking about Phil Kessel breaking it this year um, because I I checked Phil Kessel and it was, like, 82, 82, 82, 48 for the shortened season, whatever there was last year. Was it 56, whatever? 82, 82, 82, back, way back. It was like 70, whatever. So Phil Kessel, that streak's for sure active. I'm still confused on Keith Yandel if that's active. Uh, I, If you guys could help me out there. If you get healthy scratch, does, I think the streak stays alive. No, it no, doesn't. It doesn't. doesn't. It has to be consecutive games. No matter what, can't be a healthy scratch, can't be injury. And that's part of the reason why I'm talking about this, because I just think that's like spectacular that Kessel is less than 50 games away from breaking that record. It's called the Iron Man streak because they're just mm-hmm. you're playing all those, you're playing all those games. But now you're in an era with COVID that COVID exists. Look at the, I mean, what happens like so many people go into protocol. So like just to think that a record is possibly going to be broken this year. I wholeheartedly believe it. You have to think like, wow, Phil Kessel hasn't even been scratched at all. Like, oh, for when he used to play with whoever, that they're going to make the playoffs. And they're like, oh, we'll sit him to rest them. No, he has not missed a game in 916 games. Be on the lookout. A record's going to be broken this year. As far as Keith Yandel goes, I want to hear about Keith Yandel. The last time Keith Yandel missed an NHL game that he was on a roster was 2008-2009 when as a member of the Phoenix Coyotes. He only he played in 69 games, which is still a lot. Then 82-82-82, 48 for the shortened season in 2012-13, 82. He actually played 84 games in 2014-15 because he was split between the Arizona Coyotes and New York Rangers. So because when he was traded to the Rangers, they had an extra two games left. So when you saw 63-21 and 21, – you probably didn't just look at the total part where it's at 84. And so yeah. divided between the two at 63, 21, 82, 82, 82, 69 in 2019, 20, about 20 something games were canceled due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Then in 2020, 21, he played in all 56 games and he has played in all 14 games so far this season with the Philadelphia Flyers. So his is still active. So you got two guys that are probably going to sit at one and two by the end of the season. So I thought that was pretty cool. Something to look out for. Absolutely. So uh, I hope they both break it. I like Doug Jarvis. I've heard Jack Edwards and Andy Brickley talk about Doug Jarvis's career plenty in my years watching the Boston Bruins. So it's been fun. Um, Joe, do you got a story you want to share? Yeah, it's uh, it's a lot quicker. Um, not that there was an issue with that being long, but it's just something to mention. Frank, you actually brought this to my attention. Uh, I think it was your first episode you came on the show. 
you mentioned how the New York Islanders were starting on this crazy long road trip to start the season. Well, look no further. This Saturday, the New York Islanders make their home opener this far into the season. They play. If you if you got a second, be sure to tune into that Islanders game. You'll see an, a fresh arena, so a fresh perspective of a hockey game. Uh, and I'm honestly looking forward to checking it out. You know, the New York Islanders play. They welcome the Calgary Flames in the first ever game at their new arena. So a home opener this late into the season. But, you know, you, you kind of feel bad for the Islanders. I don't I'm not a huge Islanders guy, but I do feel bad for them having to start the first uh, 13 games of the season on the road. Not really a, a good way to, you know, get the season going that you see they're in last place, but they're better than that. And I believe, you know, this is the start of good things to come for this Islanders team that is underperforming right now with the lack of home games. So be sure to tune in on Saturday for their first home game. Yeah, very mediocre start to the season for the Islanders, but this is where they turn it on. I, I think this is where they start to go on their run. They're not dead because of their spot in the standings. I think they're better than the I think they're better than the Devils. I think they're better than the Flyers. I know they're better than the Penguins. So it'll be interesting to see where they finish. I think they could even end up being better than the Rangers and Capitals. Yeah, so they, they finally uh, maybe get not the Hurricanes, but at home exactly. as a team, <laughs> see their exactly. families. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. And you know, another thing for the Islanders, they're some of their best players haven't scored yet. Palmieri and Zach both have zero goals. They're both picking up assists. Parisi made a sweet play to spring Barzal the other night. I don't know if you saw the goal, and Barzal made a, a perfect move. They ended up losing that game in Tampa Bay. But so we'll see what happens with the Islanders. My story, it's short and sweet. Hopefully, it connects with people across the world. Um, the hockey fights cancer, going strong in November. You see the purple all over the place. We all know people who had some cancer. We all know people who have fought, won, lost, anything in between. And seeing the NHL, they make the signs. I actually have a Blackhawks sign somewhere around here from Hockey Fights Cancer Night. They're really cool. You know, you, you could check out any Hockey Fights Cancer um, donation centers and stuff like that if you, you know, you want to spend your time doing that. But the NHL and the NHL Players Association does a great job. This is the 23rd anniversary of the campaign, which unites the hockey community in support of cancer patients and their families. So we hope anybody going through a difficult time with that is, you know, able to find some comfort with the NHL in this show. And that's my story. Hockey fights cancer. Fuck cancer. Very good. Very, Very good. good. Um, and so we're running long, but hey, who cares? <laughs> we're going to run into our favorite portion of the show. Breaking bets. <laughs> Did it freeze up for you? No. no. The intro didn't freeze. Okay, good. That was last week. Then. It didn't show for me the intro, but this week it did. So maybe it's just oh. a glitch. Yeah, like, I don't know. It, it, it like bugged for me. But here we have Walter White Jr., aka Joey. So because you made yourself big, because you made yourself big, let's hear it. What are some picks? He did that because he doesn't want me to steal his picks. You could be big. You want to be big? You could be no, big. No, no, okay. Um, I got two. Uh, you guys always go into basketball and, and maybe dabble into the Thursday night game, but I like to keep things action, baby. Yeah, you guys got your college football. You last last week you talked an hour about college football after, <laughs> uh, which I'm cool with. But I I don't have those picks. I'm not here to supply those picks. I just got two very simple hockey ones for you. Um, there there might be a little bias, maybe not, but 
one of them. I'm gonna, I'm actually thinking about parlaying them. This parlay pays plus four hundred and forty-two. That is tremendous value in my opinion. You got the Colorado Avalanche playing the Vancouver Canucks. I, I like the Colorado Avalanche minus a goal and a half. We talked about the the Vancouver Canucks goaltending, how it's struggling right now. That whether it's Demko Halak doesn't matter. You're playing against the Colorado Avalanche. You, you we know they can put up goals. You parlay that that if you want to just take that alone, that alone is plus one forty three. So I mean, great value there. But you parlay that with the Chicago Blackhawks money line at plus one twenty three. The Chicago Blackhawks are on fire. You might as well ride that. I don't care if they're on the road in Seattle. Seattle's not that good. Ride the Blackhawks money line. I like it parlayed. You don't have to though. Both are plus independent. But if you parlay them, plus four hundred and forty three tastes very good. So that those are my two picks. What do you got, Frank? Well, you stole one of mine. I figured. I figured. <laughs> um, I can't believe the Hawks are plus. Well, hold on I a second. I don't care if they're on the road. I got four picks, right? Four picks because Joey says I like to dabble in other things or whatever. Oh, yeah. Dab- we need diversity. Dabble. We need dabble. diversity. Dabble away. I am keeping these picks strictly to value only. Every other week, I'd say, oh, there's this one's minus 180. Every single one of my picks is minus 125 or better. Okay, so I'll start off with the Blackhawks. I got them at plus 133, not 123, 133. Even better, great value on the money line. Don't have much to say other than can't believe they're dogs. So why pass up on the opportunity? They're playing well, four-game win streak potentially. I think it'd be dumb if anybody took Seattle at minus. That just doesn't scream value. Like I said, we're sticking at value. Next pick, I got the Kings money line at minus 105. It's basically a pick them against the Washington Capitals. Um, a lot of people see the game like, oh, the Capitals are the better team. I'm going to go with the Capitals. Well, for people who don't do the extra research, the Kings have actually won five straight home games, and them being at home, I think they make it a sixth. I think there's great value at minus 105. I don't see why why not. If you could get both teams at a pick them, go with the home team. That's playing pretty well. Capitals are playing well too. Got to go with the home team at minus 105. Um Tuesdays and Wednesdays are for Maction. I know Vinny's a big Maction guy. Uh, I actually saw a funny, I saw a funny picture yesterday, um, and it was a screenshot of like halftime, and the score was seven six. And the, the quote was, "Did somebody forget to tell them it was Maction night?" I, I just thought that was hilarious because they're usually like seventy points a week in those games. Um, but I gotta keep it loyal with the NIU money line minus one twenty five. They're playing Buffalo, who stinks. They're four and six. The only thing I could think of is that um, they're home. Maybe that's why. I mean, didn't matter last week. Vinny was at the NIU game uh, last week. Pulled it out late with the field goal. Thought it was great. I think there's tremendous value there, too. NIU's having a great year. Seven and three. <sighs> Which brings me to my last pick. Is that a breath? Please be what I think it is. Please be what I, I don't think it is what you think it is. It, it's definitely not what you think it is. It's a basketball game, but I don't think it's what you're thinking of at all because I went a little wild here. I think this is a – it has to do with the Lakers and Bucks game. There's no way that could be what you're talking about. I'm seeing um, so much red. I'll get to that in a minute. It's just because I talk about the Bulls every week, so I can't, I can't just – I got to switch it up a little bit. So I wanted to do something different. Um, and for some reason, I don't have the odds written down on this, but I know it was low. It was like minus 110 or something. The Lakers have stunk. They have been bad. That could be part of the reason that they're without LeBron. 
The Bucks have stunk too, but the Bucks are very hurt. They're without Chris Middleton. They're without um, Brooke Lopez, Brooks Lopez, um, Antetokounmpo. They have Antetokounmpo, but you know it's hard to carry a team when other key guys are out. And part of the reason why they won the NBA championship last year. Lakers are on the road to see the Bucks. The Buck or the Lakers are getting nine, and I know the Bulls just completely shit on the Lakers. I think this is a letdown spot for the Bucks, though, who haven't been playing that well. Um, they do st- The Lakers still have Anthony Davis. I think nine points is way too many to be given up uh, against a Bucks team that's injured and struggling. So I think the Lakers plus nine is the right move to go. Um, that, that's what I got for you. Do you think Anthony Davis will have some extra motivation, too, after the way the game went against the Bulls, him getting ejected with the shoe and all that stuff, too? It, it could be. I see, uh, you know, like I said, the Lakers haven't been playing the best. So if you look at the recent games, they've lost by nine like a lot, but you really can't go by that. I think that this is – they come back here. They play a close game. Not saying they win the game. I just think that the Bucks were like minus 400, which is just ridiculous. I think the nine points is perfect to, to take, and I don't see it any other way. I couldn't agree with you more. I will be parlaying the two Chicago teams tonight, the Blackhawks and the Bulls. They are both minus, or they are both plus. I can't believe it. I don't know how the Bulls have that kind of value. I didn't see the Bulls. They're playing the Portland Trailblazers, and the Trailblazers are taking one and a half. It must be in Portland. It is in Portland, but still. like Mm -hmm. I know they have uh, Damian Lillard, and you know they're kind of underperforming based on their expectations. So far, they're seven and eight. And I thought they'd be one of the top four teams in the Western Conference. That's still possible. I'm leaving room for that to happen. They are good. They're better than their record shows. But the NIU Huskies only taking one and a half from the from Buffalo. I can't believe it. Mm-hmm. Like Buffalo's four and six. I know they're home, but I mean NIU, they could clinch playing in the MAC title game tonight. And they know that. And your boy will be there next week for their last home game of the season, the last ma- bit of action. And then if they win tonight, you can almost guarantee I'll be in Detroit in two weekends to watch them play some Mac title action against whoever wins that conference. I know here, let me take a look at this really quickly. It is fair to say that Eastern Michigan eliminated Western Michigan yesterday for the, from the Mac title game. So that's always nice. Um, I'm excited about it. Those are my picks. Those are the three teams I'm rolling with tonight. Um, that might wait. have been the game that was 7-6 at half. I, it probably maybe, was. I, I don't know. Either that Eastern or Toledo. Eastern versus Western. Yeah. It was it, either that or the Toledo game. I, I just love that you love Maction. This is an open public invite for you to come to the game next week. I just – I love college football in general. It just doesn't Same. have to do with Maction. But Maction is more exciting, yeah. hence the reason why they call it Maction. And, and it's during the week, late in the season. Which is yeah, right. Nice. I mean, because a lot of like the top games are over the weekend, right? Yeah. You're going to get the the teams that not that no one cares about, but the team that not everybody follows. I mean, we follow Maction because it's exciting. We're sports fans. You're a mm-hmm. fan of NIU. NIU. We live in Illinois, so I mean, yeah. you know what I mean. They're um, they're like Chicago's Mac team, basically. Yeah. But um, we got to talk about it before the podcast is over. Here I'm we gonna, go. I'm going to annoy everybody. fucking mad every fucking week, Frank. Every week. I'm going to annoy you guys. And I don't know what he's going to say. Yeah, because it's well, bullshit. Well, fucking sit back and listen then. because it's You fucking don't know what I'm going to say or what? No, about, I do. 
about the rankings? So annoying. It's just, I, I'm going to uh, say it every week until they all get annoyed. Everybody gets annoyed until the college football committee hears me, watches this podcast. We're, we're getting swindled. I don't understand it. We're getting robbed right now. And, and they just think it's okay. Like, I, I just don't understand it. And I won't stop bringing it up until justice is served. If I'm Cincinnati, I'm livid. There's more anger coming your way, too. I'm forewarning you. Because if Georgia beats Alabama, they're going to put the two-loss Alabama ahead of Cincinnati. And now, if and if Michigan beats Ohio State in the Big Ten or in their final week and then wins the Big Ten championship against whoever, Iowa or whatever, they will jump Cincinnati. I'm just forewarning you right now. I don't like it. I don't agree with it. But I'm preparing you right now. Cincinnati's going to get Fucked more than you could possibly imagine. At least buy him dinner first or something. <laughs> a cigarette or something. I, I, it's just ridiculous. And I saw a graphic that I sent you yesterday that I thought was so cool. Yep. It was a play, an eight-team playoff bracket for college football. Like, I know people are talking about 16 teams. I'll be happy with eight. I think that is so cool. I think it would get so many people who aren't college football fans to watch it. I mean, I know Joey's not a big college football guy. He's not a big college basketball guy, but Joey watches March Madness. He's all in for March Madness. And, and if like we all get together, game. if we all get together on New Year's Day and watch freaking those those games that would be the playoff games, his ass would sit down and watch. And, Maybe and that's even like play a, a couple two tree parlays on it. And that's a that's like a mini March Madness for football. And it was so cool because the way that it had set up in the rankings, I just thought the matchups would be sick. Ohio State would be playing Cincinnati. I think that'd be a great matchup. Um, is, who's four? Ohio is that State. Ohio State? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Four Ohio State would be. Oh, yeah. One. No. So Georgia would be playing eight because that's how it was set up. Oh, in this bracket. Yeah. Yeah, in this bracket. I don't remember who eight is. Here, I got I, it for you. I got the top five because I'm feeling it. It's, it's, it's Notre Dame. I think, I mean, Georgia would, would be so playing cool. Notre Dame. Cincinnati would be playing Ohio State, which both teams are in Ohio. That shit would be fucking biblical. Um, the Spartans would be playing the Crimson Tide, and the Wolverines would be playing the Ducks. So, How sick would it be? Oh, it'd be freaking awesome. Everybody wants it. Yet. Everybody wants it, and they would make a shit ton more. They'd make an extra billion dollars on the season if that were exactly. The case. You can have. One of them be the Orange Bowl. You can have one of them be the Cotton Bowl. You can have one of them be the Fiesta Bowl. Like, you can literally make all six New Year's Day Bowls this college football bracket. Yeah, it's sick. I, that's why I had to send it to you as soon as I saw it. Because, like, I mean, we talk about a 16-team playoff bracket, which, like I said, I know a lot of people want. But you got to be realistic. I don't know if there's enough time for that. It's not like basketball. You're going to play one game a week. But an eight-team bracket's realistic. I think it could happen. I want it to happen. The college football committee stinks. They need to listen to me. And I'll leave it at that. Cincinnati would be fucking number nine if this were the bracket, though. It would, and that would piss me off even more. Yep. So it's annoying. Hopefully, the only way I could see them absolutely not putting Cincinnati – like, the only way – that they can't justify not putting Cincinnati in is if Georgia beats Alabama, Ohio State wins one against Michigan State, win, loses one to Michigan, and but then like Oklahoma lost, so that's good for Cincinnati because now they can't jump them. 
But I mean, I don't know. I, I just hate like I hate that they allow the group of five in this conversation at all. If they're just gonna fuck them with no lube every week. Wait. So if doesn't somebody play two top teams play each other in the bowl game or no? Well, does like Alabama, two play three or something? Alabama's or no? Alabama's gonna play uh, Georgia in the SEC title game if they both win out. Okay. So and another one of me- one of those two teams is going to lose another one. Michigan plays Ohio State in the final game of the season. Michigan State plays Ohio State this two weekends from now. So and and Notre Dame has two more, but Notre Dame doesn't have a conference title game because they're not in a conference. And but so does Cincinnati only, their play? best record Cincinnati will play their conference title game too. Against two, do you know? Like, will it be a good team, a decent team? It probably will be a decent team. They're whoever wins the division on the other side of their conference. So you're telling me if Georgia beats Alabama, Alabama has two losses, and Cincinnati had this crazy run this year, and they go undefeated, they they have to jump Alabama, but they're not. There's a chance. They should. Two losses, and one was against a no-buddy team. I think it was like Mississippi State. Yeah. The, the committee the committee's going to put Alabama in if they lose by three in the SEC title game to Georgia. The committee's lucky I'm not on the committee because I would Cincinnati would be in. Yeah, Skyler makes a good point. It probably will be Houston that Cincinnati plays. And then uh, getting a win over a top 25 team to go undefeated. I mean, I well, people keep talking shit about Notre Dame being Cincinnati's one loss. Notre Dame's nine and one. Cincinnati didn't lose, did they? No, they beat Notre Dame. But oh, people I, are saying it's not people are saying it's not that credible of a win. And you know, Notre Dame's not as good as Notre, they're still nine and one. Yeah, exactly. Why do games not matter anymore? Why do what we think is gonna happen? What we think is gonna happen matters more than what actually happened when it comes to the committee selections. Joe, you are just talking way too much, man. You Joe, what is your uh off. What's your uh, take on this? Yeah, Joe, I would love – no, I would love to, like, truly educate Joey on what's going on here and get his real opinion. I'm being dead serious. I'm not being funny. Uh, I honestly don't. I think they got it perfect. All right, get him out. <laughs> He's banned. I would like to thank everybody who tuned in to watching today's show. It's been a shit show since the beginning. We've eaten sand sandwiches. We've watched Spider-Man trailers. We've talked about hockey. We've talked about football. We've talked about basketball. Later on the Barroom Network, you can check out Buffone 55 at 7 p.m. Central Time, where there will be an in-depth preview of the game coming up this weekend between the Baltimore Ravens and Chicago Bears. That's going to be an awesome game. I cannot wait for it. You're also going to get tonight's Science Fliction, where they're going to talk about that Spider-Man trailer much more in-depth and with much more knowledge than we did. Plus, the show's hosts are going to review The Eternals, which me and Joey had mixed feelings on as a movie we liked it but we didn't love it it's a middle tier mcu movie and then of course i got to talk about tomorrow tomorrow's episode of crosstown crosstalk is one of the most important episodes of anything i've ever done i interviewed gavin sheets rookie outfielder slash first baseman slash dh slash freaking awesome dude on the chicago white Sox, and i cannot wait for the world to hear it i did it with one of my good friends joe mandel we interviewed Sheets. He gave us stories about Tony LaRussa, Yasmani Grandal, the absolute motley crew that plays cards. You would never expect some of this stuff that he talked about. And it was just a great time. Make sure you tune in tomorrow at 2 o'clock to hear this. 
I cannot wait to share it with the world. Very well said. I can't wait to listen. You know, I'll be listening as I, I will not be a part of tomorrow's show on Crosstown Crosstalk. But I know you killed it. And I honestly can't wait to hear what he said and what you guys talked about. So I'm looking forward to it. You know, I'll be tuned in. Uh, I also won't be I just want to say now I won't be around, you know, next weekend or next week is going to be very busy as we approach Thanksgiving. Got a lot of cheesecakes coming up. If you if you've tried Joey does desserts cheesecakes, uh, make sure you get an order. And before this Sunday, November 21st, if you want to order one for next week's Thanksgiving, I know I'll be bank- baking from the time I woke wake up pretty much Sunday morning all the way till uh, Thanksgiving morning. So I will not be a part of next week's bar down. Frankie and Vinny are going to hold down the fort on that. But I know they'll do a great job, and I'll be sure to check it out. So uh, make sure you guys uh, follow all the other programs on the Barroom Network as well. Yeah, so Bar Down's going to be a go next week. Crosstown Crosstalk is not, as it is Thanksgiving. So we're going to take a week off for the first time in either show's history. And the following week, I believe that's the week Frankie won't be here. There will be some schedule changes, but each show – other than next Thursday, each show is going to continue throughout the holiday season. Haven't really worked out the Christmas stuff yet, but for Thanksgiving, we're where we are right now. And so I'm excited for it. Frank, you got anything left for the audience before you head on out of here? Uh, no, just keep watching. Follow Bar Room, Bar Down, Blackhawk Hockey Talk. Whatever it's called. And be I know sure they to, changed it or whatever. Yeah, and be sure to follow the King Bean. You see it down there. The King Bean on Twitter where he posts all his articles. App Trigger he's writing for. And uh, also just add a 1-7 to that username. The King Bean 1-7. Go ahead and search that name up on Twitch where this kid is streaming live. We'll I'll be, be live some, tonight too. We'll be playing some Call of Duty tonight. So be sure to follow the King Bean 17 on Twitch. The King Bean on Twitter. And see what he's up to. Absolutely. And for at the King Bean on Twitter, at Joey Parisi on Twitter, I'm at Vinny Parisi on Twitter. Thank you for listening.